Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date Star Trek's edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Uh, long hiatus, holidays, moving. Yeah. Last week we looked at the mailbag and went, "These little, these little fucking shit bags didn't send us any fucking mail." I mean, it's the thing we have threatened to do so many times. Yeah. So we were gonna do one last week. We were ready to go, but like, I I was like, "Hey, man, how's the mailbag look?" And you're like, "It's pretty light." And I was like, "Fuck that, then." So you know, if you ever want a mailbag again, uh, I feel like I should be on a, a TV program saying this stuff to you, like in all video games and cartoons. People are always able to like commandeer the local TV stations to threaten um, oh, the Ninja yeah. Turtles or whoever. Do you remember the time? You don't remember this time. Mm. <clears throat> I was just thinking about when it happened and you could have been no more than seven and probably younger. There was a time we were watching KTEH in our bedroom. Okay. Or maybe Channel 44. And someone, someone commandeered no. the channel <clears throat> so they could threaten the Ninja Turtles? It wasn't even in our bedroom. It may have been in the kitchen. And they overrode the audio somehow. And so the audio of whatever was on the TV was replaced by a guy saying, I am the Dominator. (laughs) I don't remember that. Yeah. Well. The thing I think about sometimes. Kind of reminds me of the Price Master. (laughs) Do you remember the Price Master? I sent some. E- I've sent a mailbag. To yeah, the, I have a feeling we're going to talk about the Price Master next week. Okay, just if you, you might want to watch that video I sent just as a primer because it's yeah, it's a video that was pretty big on Twitter over the holiday break. <laughs> it's, so it's it's amazing. It's one of the best things I've ever seen. Ah, uh, but this is a Star Trek's. It sure is. Week one eighteen, uh, untitled notes. Untitled. I didn't. There was nothing juice juicy in there to to choose. Uh, yeah, I mean, I named the Zoom meeting Rudy, but that's just because there's a character named Rudy this week. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the way the way we've historically done this, I don't know, for the last 50 of these or so, is uh, whichever one did the worst the previous week we talk about first, uh, that's often Voyager, and it was Voyager last week, yeah. and so this week we're going to talk about the episode Equinox. Part one. Voyager. A Starfleet vessel is under attack. Not Voyager. Different one. The hard, gravelly captain yells out orders as they take hit after hit from some unseen assailant. Some energy beings pop into view or something? 
and then the captain shoots him up good, but some dude goes down, and the CG beasties snore in for the kill. Credits. Yeah. It's weird. Usually your descriptions are longer than mine, or shorter than mine, but I guess when I know I'm not describing them, I cut them a little short because uh, I just wrote, a Nova-class ship is attacked by a bunch of Slimers. <laughs> Do they even mention in the episode it's Nova-class? I don't remember. Yes, Janeway does say it's Nova class. Um, uh, this dude is Captain Ransom of the USS Equinox. He's got a, like a video game voiceover voice. Um, Janeway says uh, it must be Captain Ransom of the Equinox. Jesus, no shit. I mean, he just said it in his distress call. Anyway, it's a science vessel. Um, but how is he near enough to be picked up by Voyager? Uh, this dude, Ransom is some kind of legend for first contacting the Euridians. Yeah. We've heard of them, so that one seems big. Have we not seen them? Oh, yeah. We've seen them this, around. It's the, the guy who sells information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah guy we've who, seen these dudes. Who tells Worf where to find Moog, but well, spoiler alert, because we ain't done it in this project. He ain't there. No. Uh. Oh, man, imagine... How long are we going to talk about Worf and that teenage girl? It's not good. It might be one of those things where we're talked out about it. By the time we get there, we'll be like, as we've said a hundred times already, he does an underage girl. I'm going to look it up and it's going to turn out Worf is canonically 40. It's not going to be good. <laughs> it's not. Uh, Voyager finds Equinox and Ransom screams for them to extend their shields. Voyager complies and comes under attack from the same CG beasties. They can no longer raise Equinox, so uh, Chaco and an away team head over. I later find out that Janeway went too, but I swear to God she told Chaco <laughs> to go over there. Anyway, uh, he finds a lady hiding behind some rubble, and Seven and Harry find another guy who feels the darkness of the aughts closing in all around him. Soon it'll be Y2K, and all shows will be dark as hell. Does he have legs? Does he even want them? Neelix finds a crazy guy who attacks him, and I guess he's been driven mad by this dark fucking period. Finally, Janeway finds Ransom. Again, I thought Chaco led the away team. Um, Ransom reveals they were also marooned here by Caretaker before uh, they beam him and the rest of the crew up to Voyager. Ransom says a few words about his dead crewmen on board Voyager, and Janeway hands out orders, and the two crews begin to work together. The first officer of the Equinox, Max Penis, or whatever his name is, <laughs> comes over and flirts it up hard with his old flame, Balana, or BLT as he calls her. Because he been eating that up. Yum, 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 yum. They, uh, I, I listened to The Greatest Generation, and they call her BLT also. But they haven't gotten to this episode yet, so I don't know where they fucking picked it up. Maybe they remember. Maybe they remember that terrible bit from this terrible episode. Now, one of them is like me and didn't watch Voyager. Oh, well then. I mean, it has its own internal logic. BLT. Uh, TP is jealous. Um, The lady Chaco saved comes to see him and seems to already be asking to transfer to Voyager, so something must be up over there. What do we have? A pressman? Uh, a Maxwell? What kind of bad captain is Ransom? Just maybe a straight-up Locarno? Could be, could be a Locarno. Maybe he's a standard moronic Bateman type. Bateson. Could be a Bateson, Bateman. Bateson type. It's, uh, 
it's uh, 2378. <laughs> That's the easiest question anyone's ever asked me. Watch me nail it. It's uh, <laughs> 22. Nope, you're already shaking your head. Okay. Uh, <laughs> 25. Too far. Okay. Well, I'm, you know, why don't you just tell me? Um. Anyway, this lady has a freak out in the turbo lift. So um, in case you didn't hear, shit has been bad over on the Equinox for a while. Uh, Janeway, Ransom, Tuvok, and Penis come up with a plan to catch some aliens and prove that uh, they're not helpless. And then maybe the aliens will leave them alone. Ransom tells Janeway some horror stories. Janeway says she's never broken the Prime Directive, and I don't keep these notes for these shows, but that seems incorrect. Yeah, I mean, she says she's bent it once or twice, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to go back. I don't think Prime Directive's her main problem. I think just pir- straight piracy, <laughs> which is it probably comes under a different set of statutes. Murder and piracy are her, yeah. her biggies. Uh, big shock. Ransom and Penis have a quiet chat about how Voyager will definitely be onto them and their dark schemes soon enough. Crewman Noah Lessing, that was the guy that was saved by Harry and Seven, comes to help out Seven, and the ship comes under attack. The shields hold, but everyone's real worried. Seven and Tuvok think they can get their uh, their cool net up that's going to catch these aliens. They can get it up and running in 14 hours. Chaco suggests abandoning Equinox and focusing on Voyager to make it quicker, and Janeway agrees. Uh, Ransom objects. Janeway insists. Ransom seems to acquiesce, but I'm guessing he has an evil plan. Max Penis downloads specs on the sly from Voyager's engineering section. This lady with Chaco seems very well-intentioned and is trying to help supply Voyager from Equinox. But even she is cagey about what they've really been up to. Uh, the Wildman baby comes up to introduce herself. I thought that was going to... She went, I don't know, was she even in the episode anymore after that? It seemed like she was. Nope. Maybe she in part two. She just gets two. that one scene, and they had to wrangle a kid for that day for that. Yep. Uh, I finally hear this lady's name called. It's Gilmore. She, they probably said it before, but I, I didn't hear it. Um, uh, Penis says they're going to take the field generator from Voyager and flee to continue their dark plans. They have a... a a fucking tactical plan to steal uh, the generator that's going to make this net from Voyager. <clears throat> and Ransom tells him to get the most of their last shower on Voyager. I assume he means to jack it. I don't know what more you can get out of a shower. Voyager discovers the lab on Equinox has been intentionally flooded with radiation, meaning they're hiding something. They send Schmullis with his dumb mobile emitter to take a look and see what's up. Schmullis finds they've been uh, turning the aliens into crystals and then extracting proteins from that matter. Anyway, the result is some nucleogenic energy that they can mm-hmm. use to make their engines uh, make them go. They look yeah, for things it can to make either, them go. It can either make them go 0. 0.03 warp factors faster, or it can make them go 10,000 light years in a week. <laughs> yes, exactly. Fucking you figure it out, idiots. Yeah, it was a tough one for the writers of this show to figure out what the stakes were and how many aliens they'd have to kill and all that stuff. Uh, Tuvok and co. Uh, arrest Ransom and Penis, and Janeway grills them good. And turns out they've been killing aliens for energy for a while, and they, and they need to continue to get home. 
Ransom tells a story about meeting some nice aliens called the Yonkari, and they summoned these other guys, these CG beasties. Uh, they're like fun little spirits that dance around for them or something. And that with, some, sound... with some technology that you know Chakotay wishes he could get his hands on. Oh, yeah, it looked um, it looked Indian fresh, for sure. I mean, it looked like a big mud dauber nest or something. Big wasp's nest. Pick up, he didn't pick up and play a pan flute and the little dudes appeared? I did look like you could maybe play it like a pan flute, maybe too. Maybe it was a pan flute. Um, anyway, the crew... Uh, whoopsied and accidentally killed one of them one of these spirits and realized that they could eat the tasty energy for power not them the ship uh janeway makes a, a short speech and then relieves ransom and confines his crew to quarters uh ensign gilmore is forced to help chaco and seven decrypt the equinox's records schmollis comes across his emh counterpart who is also evil he steals Shmolus's mobile emitter and I'm guessing is going to pretend to be him. The aliens show up and Faux Shmolus does a big jailbreak and Ransom and the, the whole team start their commando mission. They uh, get back to their ship and stun Seven, who was working on dismantling their engines. Max Penis steals the generator. They need to catch more aliens. And Voyager shields fail and the aliens snore in. But on Equinox, their little net works, and they capture an alien. And Equinox warps away, and Voyager's left to deal with uh, what I assume will be constant alien attacks. To be continued. What was this very lighthearted <laughs> jaunt all about? Uh, I suppose one message you could take away from this is that it's easier to keep doing wrong than it is to truly come clean. Okay. Like, the the whole crew of the Equinox, the minute they meet Voyager and they get those shields up, they have a chance to stop what they're doing and ride out the rest of the trip with Voyager, make a clean start. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe they're afraid of repercussions, but, I mean, what do they think is waiting for them on Earth if they get home, you know, in two weeks by killing 63 more aliens? Yeah. You yeah, think no one's going to want to look at the logs? Way. Although, you know, not that we're to know this part yet, but clearly no one looked at Voyagers, so <laughs> fucking maybe. Maybe they get back and he goes, boy, uh... So uh, I'm an admiral now, right? Where's In uh, one of the upcoming movies, I'm going to be an admiral? Where's my pips? Makes sense to you guys? I go from four to like 50, right? It's a lot more pips. Just tape them all over my back. Um... So that's one possible take, and I'm not mad about it. You know, like, do the hard thing, admit the truth, don't just keep doing wrong, even if that's the easy thing. Yeah, but like... That's the first duty anyway, right? <laughs> I will. We will find out. Um, But he, but they wouldn't even had to have come clean, necessarily. They could have just kept pretending they didn't know why those yep. aliens were after them. They could have been like, yep. yeah, let's abandon the Equinox, that's the ship's garbage anyway, and then, like, try to ride it out with Voyager. Yep. But, no, you're right. For reasons... I mean, they're written to be evil, I think. <laughs> because they're written to be evil, they're like, no, let's keep fucking up those aliens and get home first. It's a race now? We need to beat Voyager home. It's weird. We don't even really know that they didn't start evil. Like, all right, I guess Rudy made a good first contact. He did a good one with the Uridians, yep. who it turns out are pretty pathetic anyway. 
uh, from based of what we've seen of their ships, etc. <laughs> yeah. But like, uh, the man that you have been calling Max Penis. <laughs> yep. I assume because you didn't catch that his last name was Burke. I, I don't know. I, I did hear them say Max a lot, but I could not remember yeah. his last name. Uh, he apparently was also going to quit Starfleet and join the Maquis. Yeah. So he's another one with a. It seems like he's using a uh, an affectation. He's always like, mm, "It's me, it's me, Max Penis." A B L T, A B L T. You beat, you beat me to it. I was also going to quit Starfleet. <laughs> so, um, yeah, honestly, they did very, very well. This is that's an execution note, but they didn't do much to explain how they got this way. Yeah. Anyway, as far as the take, I'm fine with it. I gave it as many as four. Okay. Uh, I came up with one that I think we've done before, probably somewhere along the line, maybe even in Voyager. You find your true morality. In times of crisis. Uh. Ransom whines and complains the entire time about how bad things have been. And how they've just been constantly under attack. And they had uh, just a tiny little ship. And they ain't got no resources. And so he uh, decided that his morality was kind of malleable. And uh, becomes a bloodthirsty killer to save his ship. Jamie claims she is different. I mean, we'll get to that. (laughs) Yeah, well, he doesn't know any better. That's fine. I mean, it's, it seems true. It seems like the kind of thing that is true, right? When the chips are down. F- figure out if you've just been talking shit about principles. But I don't know. I feel like we've done it before. And who disagrees? Are there people who are like, no, no, no. It's when everything's fucking easy as shit. That's when you have your true morality. That's that's when all of it comes out. Um. So anyway, I gave it. Oh, it a... sounds like it does sound like someone could write a Picard speech that was like that, though. <laughs> not I gave... like it's who we are day to day when we're not under fire, etc. I don't know. Yeah, they I... didn't, but no. Um, I gave it a five. I think it's fine. All right. Well, maybe you also enjoyed the execution of the episode. Well, the craft of it. I guess I blame best of both worlds for this. But, like, not... Do all season finale cliffhangers have to be dark and scary (laughs) and kind of a slog? It doesn't feel like Gene's Trek. I know Best of Both Worlds was still technically Gene's Trek, but, like, that that was kind of a different deal. Like, this is just, like, we meet a second crew also full of unlikable shits doing evil in the Delta Quadrant. Starfleet's going to have, like, the worst reputation out there. Got, yeah. Everyone's met two ships, and they're both evil pirates. It's true. Um, Janeway's a hypocrite. She has a crazy long resume of evil deeds out here. Um, and it's just, it's depressing at the end of this one. You know, there's still another part, but, like, Starfleet's so full of bad guys. And you know their busted PR is out here just going off. A few bad apples, guys. You know. There's always a few. Uh, anyway, lots of action. Not fun to watch. I wrote here in my notes, Marjan would have hated this episode if she watched it. Because it's full of Toby, Dr. Toby Russell's out here. <laughs> um, 
So I gave it a three. I mean, there's uh, lots of stuff happens. It's not the worst thing in the world, but it's it's just so. It's not depressing because it's not affecting enough to be depressing, but it's just like. I get it. It's dark. It's almost the odds. Anyway. Three for me. Um, You gave a lot of points to Phage mm-hmm. for asking the question, what are you prepared to do to yeah. survive? And this episode shows one potential dark Voyager. Yeah. But uh, to me, they keep it a secret too long. So yeah. no one in our cast, none of the people we care about or have opinions about at all, uh, has a chance to reflect on what Voyager has done mm-hmm. in its five years in the Delta Quadrant. If they've done things they wouldn't be proud of, um, yeah, you know, whether or not that, that reckoning is eventually coming. Just that trite conversation between Janeway and Ransom where she claims to have bent the Prime Directive a few times. That's it. Right. That's the entirety of it, right? No one else is involved at all. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, we have to pretend like Janeway hasn't been running wild all over the quadrant. <laughs> it's, which is so crazy, because it's my main complaint about the show. Will they even pay lip service to this next week to be continued? Mm. Uh, the effects are bad. The guest acting is rough. I cannot. It's weird that no the words. CG hasn't gotten better. It's just... <laughs> Every time you see it, it's worse somehow. Like like how species eight whatever whatever their number is, those those CG fuckers. Every time we see them, they look worse, and these guys look worse than them. What is fucking happening? This is like eight years after the release of Billy and the Clonosaurus. <laughs> uh, they're very bad. They, the effects are very bad in no, this. No, these uh, are some fucking freejack fucking special effects in here. This is terrible. I was so upset to see Bad Schmullis. <laughs> it was so predictable. As soon as he ran into that other one, I was like, ah, he's going to be uh, no. he gonna be evil Schmollis. Ah, uh, no, he said ethical subroutines. <laughs> ah, shit. Uh, he's going to take them back in the past, and so they're going to end up assassinating JFK. <laughs> um, so even if you took an interesting premise about what, even if you made the premise of this, what would you do to survive, even if you're interested in that idea... That only goes so far, and um, I didn't enjoy a second of this episode. Mm. I gave it two points. Yep, not a good one. And, and there's still another part coming. That's really the, that's a hard part to think about. That is hard. It is tough, and it's also tough, given where it broke off, to imagine that it's anything but dumb action sh- schlock. Mm, you know? Yeah, they're gonna have to fight off all the slimers, and, and probably gonna, have, gonna to, have to shoot up Ransom too. They probably have to shoot up the Equinox, and it's not good. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Someone's gonna have to phaser Max Penis. <laughs> I bet he takes at least two hits to go down. Well, probably. Yeah. Well, time to say one more evil line, maybe. Yeah. All right, world building. Uh, then. Well. Uh, we've got Nova class ships here. I think you technic do you technically see one of these in first contact, maybe? And that's why they've got the model. I don't think they made it for Voyager. Yeah, I doubt it. Yeah, it must have been one of them background ships in one of the movies. Uh, and then uh, of course there's dehydrated alien crystal fuel. Yep. <laughs> um you can 
you know, if you modify the injectors and you crunch up some Folgers crystals and put it in there, you can go foam real fast, I guess. <laughs> First we snorted it and cleaned the whole ship, stem to stern in 90 minutes. That's how we knew we should put it into the engines. <laughs> it was Andre Agassi fucking out here all day, every day. <laughs> Um, and I guess the caretaker snatched up another ship. Yeah, at least one. Uh, or or the second caretaker snatched up a ship. I don't I don't know if it was clear that it was the same one. And I wasn't really clear on the timeline. Were they there longer than Voyager? Yeah, it's it is it's super unclear. Yeah, because uh, the caretaker, caretaker died like five minutes after Voyager got there. So right. I don't think exactly. he did it. Yeah, it might have been second caretaker, or maybe they've been there even longer. Yeah, they might have been there. You know, a couple weeks longer. Uh, but um. Really, there's that's very little world building. I, I only gave it one point. That's interesting. I had this as kind of a strong point in the episode. We got Ransom made first contact with the Iridians. We got the Equinox, which is a short-range science vessel. The CG Beasties being turned into nucleogenic energy. A kooky spirits show up when summoned by other aliens' pan flutes. Uh, you liked all of this, huh? Caretaker was busy out here, man. Uh, Ransom hasn't seen any Borg on his trip, but he did run into someone called the Crotonan Guard who bonked him on the nose good. Uh, Ransom once went wormhole hopping, he claims, unless that was a lie to explain how he got this far. It's not clear. Yeah, I think the wormhole was Folger's crystals. <laughs> um, You know what? I'd call it a three. <clears throat> I guess I was generous, but there's some stuff in there. Uh, characterization. Oh, the good part. Uh, Jane, Vo- one of Voyager's strengths. Janeway always wanted to meet Ransom. I, wait, I always have to check after. Nah, it doesn't matter. I mean, they're not good at anything. So, nah, it's their second worst world building. <laughs> oh wait, no, world building should be uh, everyone's worst. It's their second worst, right? But they're tied with uh It's tied with execution. Seven hundred and nineteen points each. Yeah, they're not. They're not very good at anything. Um, she always wanted to meet Ransom. Claims it's essential to cling to Starfleet principles, so I guess she doesn't remember all the heinous shit she's been up to. Seven's getting better at bedside manner. TP is jealous. No shock there. Bellana has an Academy flame who happens to show up here of all places. Thanks, writers. Um, just a two. So bad. So unlikable. There's not one person on screw root for, except I guess for Seven. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, what have you got? Like you said, Blana has an old boyfriend. Uh, even Seven is disgusted by murderers. Janeway pulls rank and uses the regs to her advantage. Um, Tom Paris is jealous. Yeah, which Neelix also is, doesn't go anywhere. We don't even see him the rest of that episode. Neelix is so bad to look at, he has to stun a guy. Um... <laughs> There's nothing... I didn't think there was anything really out of character this week. I think it's perfectly in character for Janeway to think she's been doing a good job. <laughs> I don't like it, this but I think This is the worst, it's, though, right? That it's is... just like, come on, lady. Uh, so you're one of those uh, pirate types. Not me, though. I'd never do any buccaneering out here. It's all the regs. I killed a guy last week. She's like, when I get back... I'm going to have my performance review, and they're going to need to select peers, and the only Starfleet captain I will have interacted with is this guy. (laughs) So I'm going to start 
seeding it with him that I'm real I'm a real by the books and I don't break the prime anyway. Um I had it as hey, a four, but I'm gonna I Rudy, a three. Rudy, if you ever purposely combine two of your crew members to let them learn <laughs> what it's like to live as an individual and then fucking tear them back apart again as they beg for mercy in front of the rest of the crew. <laughs> fucking now, great. Um she didn't do that. That's just a little bit that I'm now I think maybe now that I said it out oh, loud it feels right. You don't you don't think it was a weird orchid on a planet nah. that that got their DNA She all fucking twisted. slipped in there and went beep beep boop on the fucking panel before the transporter chief This'll got in there. Everyone's gonna hate this guy. <laughs> what they like it. Like, fucking kill him. Ice what everyone fucker. likes him better. He's a threat to my no, job. No, no. <laughs> They're gonna make him captain. <laughs> um so yeah, I had it as a four, but it's a three. Okay. Yeah, here's the thing. Voyager's so nasty that, like, even when it's in character, I just... That means they're, they're being nasty boys and girls out here, so... Pretty much. Bunch of real grease balls. I think it's okay to say it. Uh, what about quick ones? Yeah, yeah, sure. I wrote two extra ones down while you were talking. <laughs> Is that uh, what you were furiously typing? Yeah, uh, I got... Listen, I went over to my notes and I clicked into quick hitters for Voyager and I started to type uh, a quick hitter that I'll get to in a minute. But instead of typing it where I had placed the cursor and clicked into the box, it mm. just started typing it on the title of the page. Ah. And I could see it showing up in the outline of the page. Yes. And it, I I did it three times thinking I must not have clicked into the box. So then I clicked back in, did it same thing. Hmm. And then I just had to reload the page and then I was able to add the note uh. as expected. So I was having, I was fighting uh, Google the whole time. Okay. But yes, that is what I was furiously typing. And also, that's just how it sounds when I type. Uh, yeah, me too, actually. Actually, I get really annoyed because Marjorie goes, what are you typing so furiously? And I'm like, Pfft. after like the fourth time she said it, I'm like, you know, i just typing. It's just how I, I'm a pecker. I peck. <laughs> and uh, it's just what it sounds like. It's the same, this is the same energy that I'm putting into this keyboard as always. Uh, quick hitters. I do not like these alien slimers. I don't enjoy looking at them. The, yeah. I didn't like the portals they came out of. No. I didn't like looking at them. It's bad. Do better with the CG. That was or, some direct to fucking VHS shit that I was watching. Just have dudes phase in and maybe they're wearing the, um, maybe they're wearing the neoprene <laughs> covers from when Jordy turns into a weird monkey. Yeah, you maybe maybe they're about. the putties from Power Rangers. Yes, maybe they're the putties from Power Rangers, and also when they get shot with uh, phaser rifles, sparks shoot out of their chest. <laughs> oh man, have you, we already improved this show seven percent. Just don't don't do, if this is what the CGI is going to look like. Just uh, do something else. Yeah. Uh, and then the idea that there's a ship out there doing worse than Voyager is troubling. <laughs> How did they not just blow up? What's happening? These Federation ships are built too well. They're built so well that the crews can break bad. Yeah. They should build true. them less well so the crews just die instead. This ship is smaller than Voyager, has a crew of under 80 people. Um, this one had a crew well, of half really of that after be, like a week. Yeah, it must really be about the size of the uh, Enterprise from Enterprise, huh? Uh, yeah, something like that. Uh, but yeah, no, they've just been running wild for... An unknown amount of time, but probably at least five years. Crazy. 
the Equinox is uh, also, of course, full of rocks. <laughs> the wrecked bridge is just full of rubble and rocks of various sizes. Is it the same they rocks must... every time? Do they keep the barrels of rocks around and then dump them all over the ground when there's a battle scene? <laughs> That's what I imagine, but, like, did they think about it at all as someone like, I don't know, man, it's like space asbestos or something. They put it in the walls. <laughs> it's I a think. real good insulator, but it, it doesn't give you cancer. Something it's the future. Yeah, something that is in these fucking bulkheads, and I, I, don't, I, I don't know what purpose it serves, but, like... Um, You're going to want a lot of fill, especially <laughs> on the bridge. It makes me wonder if the ship kind of jingles and jangles as it flies through space. Like rattles. I you think so. If one of those vibrations gets set up, gets set up in uh, Sulu's teacup, oh it's God, also the whole like shit must rattle like just crazy. Just sounds like a fucking cement mixer in there. <laughs> hey man, were some of those rocks on the Equinox the same rocks from the Enterprise C? You think? Are these like <laughs> I mean, the, it could be. the same rocks from the Defiant or fucking um, for Void Voyager herself? Perhaps I don't think they. Um, I mean, I don't think they salvaged the enterprise c because i don't it, mean in universe i mean the props okay. i think the romulans have those rocks if you want to know <laughs> it's probably one of the reasons they were able to build the dideritics class is they got the great rock technology uh, from the, the remans uh, from the ambassadors oh okay i see what you're saying because they got the enterprise c yeah they ended up with the enterprise c no the remans are rock uh, guys right they're like uh they're like, oh yeah they know, know rocks rock soldiers sure. from dimension x maybe Something like that. Balana recognizes her old boyfriend's triquadric algorithm. <laughs> I just I paused it when that happened, and Katie looked over at me and said, "Does that just mean 12? And I said, "I don't think it means anything. I don't think it has nothing. I don't think it means anything, man." <laughs> So I go back and forth. I don't know who I feel worse for. The regular actors who have to read this shit every week or the guest actors who show up and cannot understand anything. Don't know what they're don't, don't know what show they're in, don't know what's happening, don't understand what the dialogue means. Yeah, look, I don't I don't know if they sent this to the science consultant. If this line came from the science consultant, if Oof. triquadric algorithms is one of his joints. Uh. But what I do want to say is they let the science consultant write an episode of Voyager. I just everyone remember that, please. <laughs> Wait, which one was it? Well, now I don't remember. Okay. And I also don't remember maybe it was an episode of Enterprise that he wrote. Anyway. Whatever. <clears throat> Either way. So there's Andre something, and uh, he Voyager must have kept him busy. Yeah. All right, here's what I was furious. Here's the stupid idea I was furiously trying to write earlier. Okay. Is Janeway a micromanager? Did she send Chakotay over there and then, and then <laughs> like a minute later say, I'm going to. Am I right? T- Tuvok, you come with me. Am I right? The she she definitely micromanages in engineering and astrometrics. All the time. Yeah. But she, I swear to God she told him to take an away team over there. And he did. And he beamed in with his people. And she wasn't there. But then, we don't see the part where she beams over. And then she's just, she goes on to the bridge and finds Ransom. And you just go... Is this a TOS? Did I just like zone out like I used to do on TOS episodes and I just missed the part where she where she decided to beam over? I was fucking confused. Uh, do you think anyone was worried uh, there would be a radiation monster on this ship like there was on the Malon ship? Because there was that radiation chamber. They just said, we know how to handle that. 
Yeah, get all the big sticks that we got. Engineering pipes, all that stuff. You're gonna S- want a big pipe. Send BLT in there and she'll just swing around wildly. Yeah, whatever. Um, you also prompted one other thought when you said it, they were gonna go jacket in the shower. We've seen the showers on Voyager; they are sonic showers. Do you even have to jacket in a sonic shower, or um, uh, just the, the vibrations? Natural vibrations. Like yeah, if maybe. you just stand there more more than a couple of minutes, it just kind of happens, and everyone no one talks about it. Yeah, everyone knows. No one says anything. Yeah, I don't know what else you could have meant by make the make the most of your last shower. I was like, what? <laughs> Besides showering, I don't. I guess there's only the one thing. I mean, I don't know. Like um, number four. <laughs> well, I don't want to get too personal, but uh, <laughs> if I'm taking a shower uh, after I've eaten dinner, I brush my teeth in there too. Oh, that's multitasking. Right now, we've been brushing the little boy's teeth in the bath. Yeah. He's happier in there. It's more amenable to it. <clears throat> Is that why you do it? Because you're happier in the shower? Uh, no. You don't like brushing your teeth, a... but if you're in the shower, you'll do it? There's something I picked up from Katie. We both have a toothbrush in the shower and a toothbrush at the sink. Wow. Two toothbrushes right. each. Well, we um, have historically been a dual-income, no-kids family, so we can afford <laughs> a couple of toothbrushes. <laughs> what a brag. Fucking hey. Yeah. Jesus. Oh, that, that's uh, my shower toothbrush. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. Anyway, let me show you the other bathroom. Uh, well, I mean, listen, don't, I mean, that's not the expense. The expense is having two tubes of Sensodyne constantly mm. running. <laughs> that's not, yeah, that's Sensodyne, not cheap. Sensodyne ain't the cheap stuff. It's more expensive than a toothbrush yeah, just, per tube. I don't so. know if I, I think I told you this before, but that uh, guy I used to do crimes for, no one... No one, no one cut this part and send it to the authorities. The guy I used to do crimes for had a patent for, on Sensodyne. I, I, literally, we talked about this not long ago. The Sensodyne I'm part? I'm 90% sure the kind of crimes you did for that guy, the statute of limitations is long up. But. Okay, well, I'm just saying, nobody, don't do me dirty. Like, I'm entertaining <laughs> you for free. Or I'm not, and why are you listening? Is it to get me on crimes? We all had shady jobs when we were in college. I built a website for a guy who, um, he sold videotapes of seminars. <laughs> no, it really wasn't that shady. This sounds extremely boring, though. Yeah, it was pretty boring. That sounds like... Oh, I just built the website. Yeah, but that guy's job sounds rough. Yeah. <clears throat> He's probably dead. Uh, <laughs> I gave best actor to Naomi Wildman. Wow. And, uh... Worst actor to pick a guest star. Yeah, they weren't good. As soon as I heard was this ransom guy's voice, a bumper I went, crop. Yeah. Ah, fucking a. We got one of these guys out here, and then again, Max Penis comes in, and he's like, "I also have a deep voice. How about that?" If you've got a, if you've got a guy who's been making hard choices and maybe doing genocides and stuff, and he might be a little crazy as a result, you're gonna want to get Red Foreman. Yeah, but they've. I don't know. I guess they didn't feel like they could go the Jeffrey Combs route and just keep. They couldn't have Kurt Wood Smith appear eight times in Star Trek. Seven was the limit. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I guess specifically on Voyager, they were like, I don't know. Everyone's going to remember that guy's uh, Anorax. Well, you remembered it. (laughs) Everyone knows that guy's name. Everyone's walking around town going, Tell me more about Anorax, though. What happened at the end? He's with his wife. Is he going to do it again? Tell me if he makes the weapon. So we got five new spec scripts, just uh, all about Anorex's journey. We're deciding whether we're going to run with any of them, but 
and Did you bother to write down any quick hitters? Absolutely not. <laughs> Fuck that. No. I don't think we can I don't think we can name this episode Anorax. <laughs> I think that would too be deceiving. Probably sure. too confusing. Kurt Smith not even in this. Not in the show at all. Just got a mention on the podcast. It's not maybe, maybe something about putties. We talked. Uh, yeah. You enjoyed when we talked about the putties, or sure. Know. But we got two more episodes. We'll see if we find the nug. That's true. Okay. Well, we did that one. God. <laughs> Jesus. So no quick hitters. Well, no. Nah, then I just saw what else I got to do now. I got to do this other thing. <laughs> Fucking a. Yeah. Second place last week was Deep Space Nine. Um. This week we watched Children of Time. I wrote one where Anorex's wife and his uh, good-natured lieutenant, they have an affair and then they become emperor and empress of the time people. They bring back the big ship. And they, you know, it's not Lieutenant Duquesne, but it's kind of the same idea. They are, you know, who they erased, though, but they erased the Borg. <laughs> Everyone kind of likes it. You erase the Borg, Matthew. Star Trek Online teaches us the Iconian War just goes faster and worse. Oh, well, I didn't remember that. <laughs> After a weeks-long recon mission in the Gamma Quadrant, of fucking course. The Defiant yeah, made is, me very mad. At least this was a recon mission. At least they weren't just like, well, I don't know, we uh, planted some crops over there last year, we came back to get them, <laughs> it was 15 carrots. But it was worth the time, because we really stuck it to the, the, the Jem'Hadar. I took my entire crew. <laughs> Deep Space Nine is empty, the it's only true. person left on the station is Quark. <laughs> Quark's, uh, Quark's in charge, and his first officer is Molly O'Brien, and everything's going Technically, good. Technically, Cadet Nog was there last week. He's acting Captain Nog now. <laughs> uh, the Defiance. His first order was that dessert should precede <laughs> and follow every meal. But it's, it's jum just sticks. Don't get excited. It's the third time in Star Trek. We do, we've done it thrice now. Um... So the Defiance headed back to Deep Space Nine. Kira tells the gang that she and our boy Duncan Regeer, Big Dunk I call him, broke up. Odo very obviously freaks out and leaves. Gee, he's so fucking weird. He's just so weird. Yeah, and as always, Kira doesn't have any fucking idea why. <laughs> Odo must have had to use the bathroom or something. He really got out of here in a hurry. It's just, uh, I thought he wasn't solid anymore. Does he still get diarrhea? He why looks- did he... <laughs> Why did he leave so fast? Why was he holding his yeah, butt closed? it looked like he was pinching a turtle head out there. And uh, I don't know if he can still do it. Does he do it on purpose now because he likes it? I just want to say, second week in a row, I don't know that that's true. I don't remember what we talked about last week. But second week recently, mm. where Dax has opened her mouth and uh, <laughs> ruined someone's relationship, sort of. <laughs> Yeah, she's got powers. Um, O'Brien's building a dollhouse for Molly. This can't matter. Anyway, um, Dax picks up a weird old planet with a barrier of some kind and possibly life signs. It's a real Aldea situation. Everybody wants to go home, but Dax convinces them to check it out. Surprise, it doesn't go well. 
The no. ship gets all shaky and sparky, and Kira gets struck by space lightning, and they get a phone call from the planet. These people know Cisco's name and what drinks he likes, and they invite him down for a visit. I remembered this episode last week when we said which ones we were watching, and I was like, that in my memory, that's one of the worst DS9 episodes. And I gotta tell you, <laughs> it fucking held it up that up way. I, <laughs> I still fucking feel that way. Anyway, they tell Cisco that they are his descendants, and you know, everyone on the Defiant, because the Defiant crashed here 200 years ago. These fuckers are all O'Briens and Daxes and Warfos and fucking Bashirs, probably. And they convince Cisco this is all legit. And they tell them Kira died a couple of weeks after she got hit by that lightning. But that's also part of the big plan they have. See, Worf says, because he's an expert in this, if Defiant escapes this time around, like gets out of orbit and doesn't crash then these guys' whole society will cease to exist, and their timeline will collapse. Why does he say that? It doesn't matter. Who cares? These guys say some shit about Kira being temporarily doubled when she got lightninged like that, and they want to permanently double the Defiant so that the original can escape, and their society can still go on when the other one crashes. Then, after Bashir cheerfully tells Kira she is definitely dying, Odo, who's been here for 200 years, shows up and tells Kira he loves her. Again, after 200 years. Also, they weren't paying money to do any kind of parent trap shenanigans this week. <laughs> no, just one Odo, I'm afraid, this week. <laughs> Present day Odo's just in his bucket because it sucked for him to go through the barrier. He must have got lightning, too. Yeah, just one Odo at a time. Um, and by the way, his bucket this week is a bread maker with some LEDs glued to it. <laughs> yeah, what happened to that stylish? But it's on DS9. It must be. Well, it's not his bucket. It's the stasis chamber that Bashir. Bashir's already got him in uh, just a Lexan or maybe a transparent aluminum tank. Oh, he yeah. lowers that into a bread maker. Well, Bashir. Um... No, he was there when that other one beefed it, so he he knows a lot about how to take care of changelings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Worf runs into the sons of Moog, some part Klingons and humans and Trill and shit who just like appropriate like it's their damn jobs. Just little white He's... human kids, little blonde-haired <laughs> human kids yelling about riding wild targs and shit. Anyway, he's so he's so fucking proud of it too. I know it's like he didn't he's, he didn't know this, but it's fucking all he ever wanted. He's he's the worst. He's he must make all the other Klingons so ashamed all the time. Oh yeah, all the You've time. You've got to imagine that there's somebody who's deep enough in like with what's left of the House of Moog that he knew both Worf and Kern. Yeah, and he's like the wrong one got wiped. Yeah. I'm telling you, <laughs> wrong one. Uh, Should have like, wiped the other one. Listen, man, it's a long time coming, but we got to change this thing about older brothers, because... That dude is a big meat bag. If they'd wiped his memory, he could have just been fighting on the Rotaran, just fighting and losing every week. Yep. But, nope, they wiped the other one. No, Kern was That dude was cool as hell. Kern was a real Klingon. He sat on the fucking High Council, bro. Like He had the command of four squadrons. He put his hand in meditation sand. It was... That dude was it. He was... Yeah, I mean... He even ate their burned birds and shit. Like, he was fucking legit. 
Um. Anyway, everyone runs into their descendants and chats and has a blast until Dax discovers that her descendant, Yedrin, is bullshitting and that they ain't ill. There's no plan. The ship's gonna crash just like it did before. Kira's gonna beef it. So Cisco and Dax confront Yedrin, who I guess is really guilty about marooning them there in the past, but not so guilty that he won't do it again. Because he says he's guilty, but then he's like, but my whole plan is for you guys to fucking go nose down into the turf. Eat it. Yeah, and by the way, I'm sorry, Kira. I know sometimes we were friends on the station. (laughs) Yes, occasionally we were gossip friends. Because he's not just Dax's descendant. He he has the Dax symbiote. Yes. Yeah, that's right. He's the real deal. He's not just some trill. Right. Um, Kira seems bummed about being the reason these people are going to disappear. Also, there's been some stuff happening in this about how our religion... Says that there's one true path and only one, and she has to interpret that very strict shit on this planet. She has to interpret that extreme, very strictly. Like every chance, they're like, "Hey, I don't know. um, Lunch, you get an option this week. You can get the BLT, uh, or you can get the meatloaf sandwich." And she's like, "No, my religion says there's only one path, so (laughs) you're gonna have to cut the menu down for for me, or else you're insulting my religion." Anyway, it is a weird fatalism that we haven't seen anywhere else. It's very dumb. And uh, so she, anyway, she's she's all in her feelings. She wants to beef it so that these people can live. And also that so her religion's weirdness is satisfied. Um, they have a big chat about it. The whole senior staff. And hold on one second. <laughs> Bonus points. <laughs> Bonus points are scored for O'Brien calling out Worf for being a bad father. It's extremely important because everyone ignores it, and it's the truest thing in the show. He says, easy for you to say when Worf's like, I think we should stay. Easy for you to say, you hardly ever see your son. How everyone in the room doesn't go, (gasps) but just butts clenched all over the room. But he fucking says it right to him, and Worf just like, Worf and O'Brien have had fist fights before. (laughs) About nothing, really. It could have been murder on yeah. the bridge after he said that. But Worf is but, such a little uh, here's punk, the thing. dude. Worf knows it's true. He knows it's true, and he's a punk, and he just says something back like, hey, you don't have uh, the courage or something. <laughs> what? Huh? Buddy, what he just said to you is like, <laughs> it's so fucked up, but it's so true. <laughs> anyway, so I'm awarding bonus points right here. Um, I'll, I'll figure out where execution or characterization or something. Um. Cisco says, too bad, we're not staying behind. This was a conversation I had for kicks. Um, then, for some reason, several fucking scenes of planting some dumb crops take place. These people are going to cease to exist in half an hour, but they got to plant these fucking crops. Double- it's extremely skilled emotional manipulation, and it works 100%. <laughs> Double, triple cross, even O'Brien decides he wants to stay behind. Just can't let all those sassy children that are always negging him, talking shit about him, that never exist. Are you the potato man? <laughs> yes, that's me. <laughs> yes, it's... And yes, I understand that I partially look like a mountain of potatoes. So it's easy I know to why make... you call me that. <laughs> easy to make that joke. Triple look, quadruple I'm not cross. even that out of shape. <laughs> I actually like I'm I got a pretty regular body type, but there's something I'm only about out of me. shape by TV standards. There's something about me that's lumpy. I don't know what it is. 
triple quadruple cross new odo odo that we just met who's been on this planet for 200 years can't watch kira die and sabotages the damn mission like makes him break orbit i mean we don't know that until regular odo comes in and tells her but like that's what happened um so they escape and that planet uh the population uh, ceases to exist so they, they never existed kira's pretty steamed about it but like Nobody's gonna remember this planet full of dried turds next week, so she'll live. What Is was... it a paradox that they can even remember it? I don't. Uh, the Star Trek <laughs> sorry. writers. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, the Star Trek writers don't understand theories of time travel. They don't know which ones they're using, and they, they don't, don't have know... a coherent one that applies across all of Star Trek. Certainly, yeah, they don't know which ones they are using, and they don't know which ones have been used. So they just kind of go... every episode's its own fucking deal. Again, Worf says earlier that if they do that, these people cease to exist or whatever, and everyone just goes, "Yeah, I know." Instead of like, <laughs> I don't know, or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe they go on know, in maybe their the timeline. Quantum barrier and, will keep us separate, or yeah, they go on in their timeline, and we go on in ours. I mean, we've met people from other universes and stuff, so like, we know there are other timelines and shit. Anyway, uh, what was this episode trying to tell us? Uh, I mean, so this is the one that took me the longest to even gin up. Yeah, uh, I really just kind of sat stunned for a minute, <laughs> and then I. After after maybe 30 or 40 of those stunned minutes had gone by and the TV was on, but I wasn't watching it. Right. I was just like, I'll think about this again tomorrow. So maybe there's something like, you can't be true to your loved ones by becoming a selfish asshole. Sure. Like, there's a moment where O'Brien actually says out loud with his mouth, I don't know these people. <laughs> it's like, okay, you can make whatever rationalization you want, but you shouldn't say that part. That's like that's like when Tom Prayers comes onto the bridge and he goes, "They're pacifists. Let's shoot them in the dicks. What's the big deal?" Chakotay. Um, and he's definitely also the last one to come around on the the idea of you know sort of sacrificing their future with their families to save these people. Yeah. Uh, and then Kira's pretty incensed at what old man Odo yeah. did at the end. Tan I- Odo. How do you think of him? I thought of him, I thought he had big seventies energy, so oh, I thought yeah. of him as kind of seventies Odo. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think it was the deep V and the great tan that he had. He just looked looked like he yeah, was I had started, a lifestyle. I had started to say to Katie, I guess these guys, their civilization's going pretty good because the, he's got really complicated textiles for a two hundred year old <laughs> call. And then I thought, hey, he could just make whatever he wants. He picked that. <laughs> he picked that exact look. Yeah, he shapeshifted into that shit, and he's making everyone jealous with his fucking great fucking fabrics. So I know I'm putting this take together, and mm. um, and to jump ahead very slightly here, we're not really shown any discussions about what brings everyone around mm. or what the right thing to do is. So I I can't be sure that they were going for anything at all. Uh, I'm just giving it three. That's uh. That's fine. I had, even in a world where everyone is selfless as hell, not everybody's agenda is going to line up. Yedrin, most willing to maroon and kill his friends again to save his people. But he had told us, with his mouth, was his big guilt. So I guess he was that was what he was doing? He was doubling down on the thing that he was so guilty about to save these other people? I don't know. <laughs> Kira wanted to sacrifice herself to save them, but again... 
That was also some weird religious stuff. <clears throat> O'Brien and Worf wanted to sacrifice themselves to save them in the end. But Odo wanted to sacrifice himself to save Kira, and Odo wins. So... <laughs> It was something to do with self-sacrifice. I know that, but it was yes. a garbled mess in a big old sci-fi make up So, <laughs> two points. Uh, what about execution? Uh, yeah, look, man, this is filler season. We're all up in it. This is a filler episode. It's going to leave no mark on the show at all. It could be removed from the catalog and affect nothing. These people never existed. No one's ever going to talk about them again. But beyond that, it was melodramatic and sappy. Nobody's motivations made any sense. And nobody came off looking so hot. Just kind of a big old mess. They gave it a two again. Uh, This one was rough. The show is very uninterested in the premise. They never make any attempt to make the quantum duplication ruse, right? It's a ploy to make that real, for instance. They don't consider what would happen if they somehow evacuated the planet, right? Um, It's never even explained what the energy barrier around the planet is or why it's going to cut the planet off. It seems like its purpose there is to serve a ticking clock. Yeah. But then the ticking clock on this one is actually Kira needs to get back to Deep Space Nine or she'll die. <laughs> uh, well, Star Trek loves two or they three ticking two, clocks. Two clocks, yeah. I've exactly. seen episodes uh, where there are three, and I've fucking gone crazy about it. <laughs> they never consider what consequences the emissary being missing might have, yeah. or the loss of the Defiant... Or, to the course of the Dominion War. Or maybe like a uh, public figure, Kira. What's Cardassia going to do without the gossip? That's true. <laughs> Who are they going to gossip about? It's Come on. It's just sacrifice Kira and lose contact with your current families or go home but let these 8,000 people never have existed. Mm-hmm. Um, 70s Odo and Yedrin are at odds, but they don't have a scene together, nope. so it doesn't matter. <laughs> at uh, no point does Odo try to get anyone on his side. He just waits around and then pulls a little trick. Yep. In fact, 70s Odo doesn't talk to anyone but Kira. We're told off screen yes. that he linked with our Odo. Our Odo, who I guess at that point was still just a big jelly. Like he didn't. Yeah. I don't think he waited till he was a uh, like awake. Or whatever. Uh, it seems like he could have talked to people. But, you know, that's fucking perfect Deep Space Nine. <laughs> yep. Not have the people who might have something interesting to say talk to each other. It seems like um, a useful exercise, and I don't know if anyone does it anywhere. But it seems like, especially in DS9's case, a useful exercise would have been for someone to take the script and say, Okay, <clears throat> who should be here who isn't? Uh-huh. And a ver a variation of that. Who should have scenes together who who don't currently? Right. And just you know, punch it up a little bit before it, it hits be a, the screen. I mean it could be a checklist item. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. A little quality control, a little QC checklist. Hey. Yeah. Are the right people in this episode? Are the right people saying the things in this episode? 
you know i just they clearly didn't have that i don't know if anyone does but like it seems like it'd be helpful so at this point in deep space nine's run they were they were better at making tv than say voyager so (laughs) this was not this was not nearly a such a terrible watch like as that Voyager episode wrapped down, Katie once again turned to me and said, this is a bad show, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's uh, all right there in the numbers. You can tell her. She doesn't need to even use her brain. Yeah, 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 she can yeah, just yeah. read the numbers. Um, But I don't think they accomplished much. I gave it a three. Okay. World building. Uh, the Defiant is still running long recon missions on the other side of the wormhole. Somehow the Dominion doesn't control the other side. We've talked about this before. What is going on in that part of space? Why are the Dominion not in charge of that part of space? Well, there's no reason at all that this story needs to be in the Gamma Quadrant, by the way. Since the energy barrier cuts them off, it it could be anywhere. It could be on the fifth planet in the Bajor system, right? Yep. Uh, But since it is, now it seems like the Dominion has just stranded a whole force in the Alpha Quadrant, and they don't control the single choke point. It's so weird. It was always needed weird. to supply that. Like, at this point in the Dominion War, the Gamma Quadrant should be off-limits to, yeah. the, to the Federation. Like, there should be battleships on the other side. Unless they um, think it's funny. Maybe they just think it's funny. Maybe they're like, look at these fucking guys. Hey, they're back. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're investigating. Set up a mining colony again. They just crashed again, buddy. They just crashed oh, again. Man. I oh, can't fucking believe it. They can't help oh, it's themselves. So fucking predictable. That's not even one of our traps. That's not one of ours. That's just some random planet. They just went over there and they they can't get out. Oh my god, these fucking guys! And then they put it on YouTube or something. Ah, uh, oh, they're back. They're back, but everybody's real sad about something. I don't know what <laughs> happened down there, but it seems like it sucked. We uh, it's an advanced kind of sonar, so we can pick that kind of thing up. It's uh, they are putting off bad vibes over there. Anyway, I didn't think there was any other world building outside of that thing that I don't like, except maybe that the Defiant has a more limited medical capability than Deep Space Nine somehow. Yeah, but I mean, I think Bashir says that in Episode One, or maybe Cisco says it to Bashir, something about how it's it ain't got a fancy sick bay or whatever because it's yeah, maybe. it's a warship for shooting. For shooting the guns. Um, Something. I blanked it. I mean, that's fair. And in fact, the last thing I typed is I could see a zero. So, <clears throat> that's zero <laughs> from me. You gave it a one. Uh, yes, I had it as a one. This planet of time shenanigans. Some theoretical or perspective stuff. Genetic stuff about the mixing of Klingons and Trills and humans, etc., etc., etc. This fucking anomaly. No one's interested in it. Nope. <laughs> No one cares. This anomaly that is like all the other planet anomalies they've ever fucking seen. Um, They're not interested in it at all. They don't nope. care at all about what's going on up there. Nope. I could see a Even zero. Dax didn't want to study that barrier. She wanted to study the planet because they weren't going to have another chance. That what if she there was says, fungus down there? She says later in the episode she was so hung up on making some great discovery. But like, what was that going to be? What did she think was going to be down there? What was going to be down there? What? What did she think was happening? Was she, did she think she was going to find Aldea? Because we already found it. Yeah. They only want your white children. <laughs> no others allowed. Yeah, so yeah, I could see a zero. It's a zero. 
Um, characterization. Odo spent 200 years on this planet and never stopped pining for Kira. That's nope. actually twists back around and becomes messed up. Yeah, he went to her weird Halloween store Crescent Moon gravestone every day, probably. He just kind of lived there. Weird. And then he sacrificed. Oh, he's being a crow on Kira's (laughs) grave right now. I fucking hate when he does that. Every summer. Stop. You remember when he used to be worms and we told him to stop being worms (laughs) because it was fucking weird and he became a crow like it was better? He used to crawl all in and out of her skeleton as worms. Fucking terrible. I hate this guy. When is he going to go away? I had the nerve to say it wasn't sexual. Do you see him? Do you see him? uh, You see his get up lately? He looks real, uh, we got, we, got, we got any fucking Tom Paris types around here to tell us what part of the 20th century this guy looks like he's from? <laughs> um, anyway, sacrificed everyone on his planet for her, so, you know. I think he needs a little bit of help. A little bit. Yeah. Well, he's gone, so. And we know I mean, no, I mean present day Odo should Odo's get some help. Get any help. He should yeah. get some <laughs> O'Brien, I think, is offended that people think he'd marry another lady after 10 years in the way his mentor, Captain Jean-Luc Picard, was afraid people thought he might leave the Enterprise before it beefs it in six hours in the future. He really does have a full panic about it. I mean, and that's the moment that the guy became his mentor, so there's something really transformative about that, I guess. That is true. (laughs) And he's just got that in him, and he's like, I'd never marry another lady, ever! Fuck, man, sunrise, sunset. (laughs) Kira is still a weird zealot. She wants to sacrifice, but just so her belief about one true path is realized. But also, she's really suggestible, like Worf. And I think now she thinks she needs to date Odo IRL. Oh, yeah. Like, now that she knows that Odo is into her, maybe she just has low self-esteem. She's like, oh, he's into me, then I'm into him. That's how that works. Well, he sent those three Bajorans to their death without doing any <laughs> investigation at all. Just turned them over to Golden Cot. I but did I did. That. For some reason, I felt the need at the time to tell him that no one could be harder than he was on himself, so... And also, he did, uh... He did cause a colony of 8,000 people, mostly children, to cease to exist. <laughs> it seemed like it was largely children. <laughs> it's almost... Well, I mean, makes that's sense. how a fast-growing colony would yeah, be, Yeah, right? it makes sense. It's, they don't got the other problem where it's all a bunch of old people. Our colony became present-day Japan really quickly, and now we're trying to build robots to take care of the elderly because there aren't enough young It's people. going bad! We fucking speed... We did a speed run on the end of the Earth. We did it here. We did it so fast. We're so far below replacement level. <laughs> Even with all of O'Brien's DNA. <laughs> uh, Dax felt a bit guilty, I guess, about this, but it don't matter now, though. They're going home. Those other people never existed. Don't worry about it. Um, I didn't write anything good. I guess the O'Brien thing's just kind of <laughs> neutral. I gave it a three. Uh, yeah. Um, Kira both has religious feelings about evading her fate and also guilt about her colleagues seemingly putting her life ahead of this pseudo-existence of 8,000 of their descendants. Mm -hmm. And on top of all of that, she has to deal with sensitive future Odo. And then real Odo finds out all about everything. And then it turns out future Odo wiped out a whole planet for her. So she's had a couple of big days, huh? (laughs) Yeah. She's she's in it, and she's going to pray hard on it, I, I predict. 
O'Brien, who hates his wife, and recently shit at Ann cummed when he looked at a picture of a blonde woman who doesn't exist. <laughs> it's a real piece of shit this week. Just Don't so forget his emotional affair never. with Kira. You need to have an emotional affair with Kira. <laughs> he got into pushy-pushy with Duncan Regeer <laughs> during her birth, too. So I, when you say he recently had an emotional affair with Kira, I don't think it's over. No. I just got underground. Yeah. Cisco doesn't, I think, say Jake's name <laughs> or Cassidy Yates no. or anything. Or his dad. Or his what about dad? my old He's dad? The- he doesn't talk about anything about what'll happen if he doesn't go back there. It's for him, it might as well be a fucking fresh start somehow. Yeah. Uh Worf, who accepted a place in the House of Martok last week, apparently <clears throat> became a weird lifestyle guru and told a bunch of kids to never ever farm. <laughs> I don't wanna see you plowing. Don't you fucking I don't wanna hear that you pulled up a carrot or a potato. That is fucking lame. We are cool. We throw spears through hoops here. Threshing with a scythe? No, those are two different things. Mowing with a scythe or threshing with a flail? They seem cool, but they're still farming. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Don't let your friends convince you that it's cool. But I guess that got away from him because when he sees what they became, he brings them back to do some planting (laughs) and... He isn't even disappointed that they all swallow his time as their enemy speech, and it made me disappointed okay. in them. So here's, when the, that, here's the deal. I didn't put it in my notes. We talked earlier about how he must make other Klingons super embarrassed all the time, and I know this has to be true, because even these Klingons who literally worship him like a deity are embarrassed by him a few different times in this episode. <laughs> they are mad at, as hell at him when he's when they're all going to leave and they're just going to cease to fucking exist. And they're like, fucking stab me in the neck, bro. Like, let's get this over with. And Worf's like, oh, oh tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. For sure. I'll be here. I'm not going to stay on the Defiant at all. I'm definitely going to come over. I'm going to stab you so good right in the eyeballs and stuff. Klingon stuff. And they're looking at him like, this fucking, look at this fucking wiener. Anyway. <clears throat> Yeah, time um, is their enemy, and they don't just go. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna go over there. I'll go get the others. <laughs> they don't know how this matter. This guy's not gonna kill us. We might as well do the farming. <laughs> um, so this is um is definitely a character app, and it sure. exists almost solely to put the Kira Odo relationship out in the open. But I guess what a weird way to do it. It can't do that without making Odo seem utterly insane they so. didn't have like a do you remember when he dramatically confessed to the uh changeling version of her uh-huh were they like well we can't do that now because now he'll never he'll never do it again yeah like, he'll never so. dramatically confess again because he did it the one time and it was a big whoopsie and then he couldn't tell anyone ever again he ran into a changeling on that planet <laughs> yeah the writer of the original treatment was like odo's not mature enough to do this he's not mature enough to come forward and confess to her but what if there was an Odo who was older yeah and he'd done some growing up and then he could put it out in the open yeah yeah um so like I said it's a character app but it isn't good so I gave it three (laughs) agreed uh quick ones yeah, I have a few. Uh, number one, no one goes to ask the prophets if they're meant to be together unless something is wrong. Yeah. Like, 
that can't be a thing that normal relationships and relationships that are going well, that that's not a part of a normal Bajoran relationship is going to consult the prophets to see no, if they're supposed to be together. That's not like the cute fun thing you might do, like mass the magic eight ball or something. That's, um, seems a little more serious. I was just like, even if you had a friend and you heard, mm, I went to church to ask the minister <laughs> if he thought my relationship was right, you'd say, so you know it's not right. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a tip-off right there. You can just... Yeah. You can probably just put that one in the past. Um, replicators exist. O'Brien is building a dollhouse using a micro-lathe. Mm. So, A... How small is this furniture? <laughs> like micro generally means something. Yeah. That's some uh, honey I shrunk the kids shit right there. And like you could already there's there's such a thing as a watchmaker's lathe, which as you could probably imagine makes pretty small parts. Yeah. Uh, but um, but no, it's got to be a micro lathe this time. <laughs> uh, this is the beginning of that, his uh, playing with miniatures, which will eventually become a somehow will become a plot point in season seven. Oh wow yeah it's not good oh i don't i don't like that mm. i don't like the idea that o'brien's gonna get into warhammer 40k <laughs> oh come on he's definitely the type they're called ultramarines because they're from ultramar <laughs> not because they're like cool <laughs> dummy it means beyond the sea you'll never uh, understand the emperor <laughs> Dax wants to do some science behind enemy lines. Uh-huh. It's a Starfleet tradition, I guess. Yeah. Um, this uh, this whole this whole premise, Matt, felt like a season one. This felt like a season one idea that this somehow didn't get made until season five. Like maybe the little blue card it was written on fell off the <laughs> board and got hidden behind something. Man, I'll tell you what and it felt like. Four to me. seasons later, they picked it up and pinned it back on the board. <laughs> They've moved some furniture and it was behind that, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we were gonna do this one." Uh, to me, it felt like a, a script for another show entirely that that just got glued to Deep Space Nine somehow. It had nothing to do with any of them. This is like this is the pilot for William Shatner's Tech War. I don't know anything <laughs> about Tech War, so I don't know what the premise of it is, or like this is Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda or whatever. This is the premise for that. Yeah, I guess I should also say before we try to do any more references, I don't know anything about Warhammer either, so <laughs> I'll just <laughs> I don't want to get too deep. I don't want to get deep into it and then run out of stuff to say and then it'll be really it'll be uncool. Uh I don't like that they think they can make O'Brien a character who so clearly and plainly hates his wife <laughs> <laughs> and have him be the one who's like I would never that's the. That's why I could only think you. of the one thing. I could only think of the one thing happening there. There's something about the accusation about him. Yes, it was much more important than actually being back. It with hit his wife. too close to home for yeah. sure. He's like, I would, I would never do that. And then he thought back to cleaning up that body, and he was like, just like, just like my space papa would never leave his ship. <laughs> uh, Quark only makes this one as a hologram. Still counts. That's a little for counts. Apparently he was starting a run on Buffy. I did not know he'd ever been on Buffy. I never saw Buffy, so. <clears throat> and uh, I guess he was on it basically for the rest of Deep Space Nine. Hmm. 
your grandfather's great 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 grandfather that feels like too many generations <laughs> these guys have really been fucking huh oh uh, yeah was, they've been really fucking and i think they kind of have to because like we said they uh so who's gonna do all that good farming it's not the not the sons of moog not them so yeah but like it's still a lot of generations do you think o'brien was like well, listen, there's dire straits here. We're going to have to ease up on the age of consent a little. Oh, I mean, I think undoubtedly. Or was it Bashir? It was definitely Bashir, and it was also definitely O'Brien. <laughs> they came with to Cisco with the plan together. Mm-hmm. Um, If someone comes up and brushes your lip with their thumb and then says, I love you, I think you probably don't say, what do you mean? <laughs> It was kind of a Riker response for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, Meaning? Hey, there's kind of, once someone does that thumb thing, there's kind of only one way you can take it. What do you mean? What do you mean? All right, so you see this, the, the clone society down there, right? Yeah. Full, just full of clones. We know that part. Right. All right, and you remember how they asked us for the genetic material and we said no? Yeah. And they weren't happy about that, right? Okay. Well, then we remember we went down there and earlier we were on their planet. Uh-huh. And then, like, you lost some time and I lost some time. Can't remember what happened down there. Right? Go ahead. Okay. Well, I just scanned us and uh, they definitely <laughs> took some of our genetic material. So, meaning? You prepare yourself for that. And then he rubs his beard. He furrows his brow and he goes, Meaning? <laughs> <laughs> One of the most unbelievable sequences. <laughs> uh, anyway, she does the same thing. He rubs yeah. her lip and says, I love you. And she says, what do you mean? <laughs> That's not good. Maybe she just really didn't know how to react to that one. She needed, that was like better than just going, uh. Um. This guy who's playing the main son of Moog has way too good a voice for this shitty part. Yeah, I felt bad for him. He is bombastic. He should be playing like intermediate age Jake, halfway between current Jake and Tony Todd. (laughs) Yeah, he's not quite TT, but he's like, you definitely see him on the way there. Um, they're doing pretty good on this planet, Matt. Every every one of these little snot-nosed kids is wearing suede boots that can't get wet. Yep, that's a fact. Like, they got another pair of boots for when it's raining, for I sure. Mean, Everyone's they, got two pairs of boots on this planet. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> they gave us all the codes for these people are doing great. Uh, it's sunny in every scene. Um, none of them are covered in soot or anything, which is usually what they do on Star Trek after like six hours being marooned on a planet. You're just covered, yeah. your face is all oily and dirty and stuff. No one's wearing a ripped up crocheted garment. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one is offered sex. Well, uh, the oh, way yeah. Cisco was in that one episode. <laughs> that Shit. did happen. The fuck was the The lady had a, had a real dumb name. <sighs> anyway. Uh, so they they were using all the code. We're doing great here. Everyone's doing great. Uh, to me, Yedrin looked like if Tom Paris and Lon Suter had a kid. <laughs> well, I've got very good news for you, my friend. Season seven's yeah. a wild ride. Oh, 
are we gonna get uh <laughs> now nah, suitor died right i think didn't he have I to mean, have Suter... his big moment where he beefed it yeah Su- suitors out in voyager for sure but okay you know <clears throat> i was just gonna joke that maybe he and tom paris had a baby but... oh i see i see you've been seeing seven of voyager yeah um these guys have apparently are are our heroes here have apparently told every adult on the planet that their existence ends tomorrow mm. and they still feel free to stroll around the town. Like, well, let's get one last look at the place. Yeah. No one even throws a bag of shit at them. <laughs> well, I couldn't even figure it out. I thought, in fact, <clears throat> I thought their very good treatment must've been proof that only like a couple of people knew. <laughs> well, I couldn't figure like it all out. All of the adults we saw knew. <laughs> I couldn't figure it out. I was like, why is everyone being so nice to them? <clears throat> I'm like, well, since you're not going to save us, I'm definitely going to stab you in the thigh. And I'm like, just enjoy the rest of your day like that. And then I only assume that Dax and Cisco look at each other and say it must have been Yedrin who reprogrammed the shit because they ain't even met 70s Odo. No, he didn't have no scenes with nobody. It was very obvious to me who had done it. Yep. Yeah. They thought Odo died at some point along the way. They didn't even know he was still down there. I was kind of surprised Odo told Kira about it, just given the way he sometimes keeps some stuff to himself. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you have been inclined to sit on that one? <laughs> some changeling-related business that never makes it out. Okay, so listen, a version of me from 200 years from now, who now will not exist. Yeah. <sighs> he did something pretty heinous, but he did it for you. <laughs> Because he loved. I don't know. Did he what tell are, you he so loved what you? Are my, what are my obligations here? I, I gotta know. <laughs> Do I tell you? Do I not? Did he tell you he loved you? And what was your reaction? I'm just curious. Oh, you did. You said you didn't know. Oh, that's not good. She didn't know what he meant. Um, I had to give best actor to somebody. <laughs> I gave it to the Quark hologram, the Quark teacher. Mm. He said all those bullshit lines about how many Quaaludes or whatever. <laughs> yeah. To yep. get back to me when you have an answer. When how, many how many Do you need to fill? Uh, worst, worst actor, Dax. And um, I don't have any more to say about which Dax. <laughs> Did you write down sure. some quick hitters for uh, this episode? Yeah, I had worst actor candidate Yedrin Dax. Well, he doesn't pull off angry at all. But to be fair, like I said earlier. This actor read this script 100 times and understood less than 4% of what was written. So, at the point now where I I feel bad about handing out worst actor to guest actors, for sure. Because it's just, it's, you're flying so blind. You come in here, ah, yes, my name is Yedrin Dax, and I'm... I'm this you. Main character. I'm your. I'm not you. Uh, grandson. Uh, but I was. I used to be a woman. They said that's an important character. Nope. Because uh, I, your husband. Hold on. Let me check this page here. Uh, uh, Worf. Worf. He is a good man. Hold on. Someone said I also used to be a serial killer and a man. Someone so. said that to me. I didn't see it in the script notes, but like it, someone not in said the notes. That. I don't know how much of that. Colm said that to me. I don't know if he was messing with me, uh, but he said it's part of my character. Anyway, uh, uh, let's go back to it. There's uh, your friend, Kira. Uh, it's my friend also. And she, <laughs> she's terminal, man. I don't know. Should we go again? Let's start. I, I didn't, that didn't feel right. Let's I start again. I man. 
Um, let's see. No, that was that was the only quick hitter I put. I never put a lot when I'm doing the dumb description. <clears throat> no, it is difficult. Um. Well, the winner last week was TNG. It's looking uh, good for them. <laughs> with cause and effect. Yeah, they got a big chance. I'll let you know now that they only have to beat 23. Yeah, it's, uh, the path has been cleared for these guys. And their average is 33, so. Yeah. Even Voyager's average beats 23. Yeah, that really uh, is saying something. <laughs> this week, we watched The First Duty. <laughs> The Enterprise is on its way back to Earth so Picard can give the Academy Commencement Address, which has to be a controversial choice two years post-Locutus, right? Yeah, I mean, one, he's clearly a big deal. (laughs) And two, yeah, there's got to be like so many service, family of service members died at Wolf 359 who were like... And you know he's going to stand up there and not talk about it at all. Nah, he ain't going to say shit about that. He ain't going to be like, I, uh, my whole life is so sad now. I stare out of my little window. I don't even crack open old Shakespeare anymore. <laughs> well, he seems to think he's going to have a great time. Because the big point in his captain's log is that he's really looking forward to seeing Wesley Crusher again. <laughs> Wesley is, uh, he's joined a flight demonstration team called mm-hmm. Nova Squad, and yeah. they're going to be performing during the ceremony. Um, Picard and Riker are reminiscing about their respective academy superintendents when Admiral Brand, the incumbent, calls and asks Picard for a, uh, a private channel. Yeah. She tells him, as a close friend of the Crusher family... That there's been an accident. Two credits. <laughs> okay. Just we'll talk about it later, but the first of I'm, sometimes in this episode that nobody talks to Beverly Crusher. <laughs> it's crazy. N- not only that, but um when we come back from credits, she's not explaining why she did it in a cliffhanger like that. <laughs> like she didn't know we were going to credits. Why did she say that? Anyway. And then she did pause and take some beats and wait. I don't know what she was waiting for. When we come back, Picard is telling Beverly that Wesley uh, suffered a broken arm and some burns, but he's fine. His squadron was practicing in close formation near Saturn. All of the ships were destroyed and a cadet, Joshua Albert, was killed. But everyone else managed to beam out. Uh, Beverly is pretty shaken by this, but she sort of pretends to be okay. She, you know, she does some absent-minded mothering, like I should, I should send all his medical records, and she goes into doctor mode briefly. Anyway, mm-hmm. she's doing, um, she's doing acting that's not in the dialogue. Yes, yeah, points for her. Uh, yeah. Brand tells the families, um, back at the academy that they recovered one damaged flight recorder and that. There's going to be an investigation because there was a crash. That's normal. And she offers her condolences to Joshua Albert's father, some lieutenant commander who's wearing ops gold. And uh, she says, uh, I've talked to the dad and commencement ceremonies are going to go ahead um, as planned. Okay. Then we cut to Wesley Crusher. He's doing some physical therapy on his broken arm when Beverly and Picard knock on his door. 
he doesn't really want to talk about the accident. He claims it's the only thing he's talked about for two days. And when his squadron leader, Nicholas Locarno, shows up, <laughs> uh, he asks Picard and Beverly to leave so they can talk. Hey, man, just to point out, we've been we've been talking about this old boy since 2016. And uh, <laughs> this is the guy that the actor who plays Tom Paris plays and the guy who they clearly wanted to put in their show Voyager. But then they decided to make it a different guy instead, but same actor. Yeah, I mean, smash cut to the end of the episode. This guy's going to end up a little bit disgraced. Yeah. Um, but they, uh, like, like I said, they didn't want to have to pay the uh, author of this episode for this character, for the rights yeah. to this character. And so. yet, and yet, there will be an episode called Lower Decks where they will use another character from this team. Yeah, I think they were willing to pay for it one time, but not 173 times. <laughs> or 169 <laughs> times. I think it, the, that's yeah. probably the calculus on it. Yeah, I guess so. <clears throat> Uh, once they're alone, Nick Lacarno tells Wesley that everything will be all right as long as they stick together. Mm-hmm. It's not uh, quite as bad as Ransom and Max Penis having their talk, but no. it definitely lets you know that something is up. It gets increasingly sinister every time you see one of these private Nova Squad chats. Yeah, but it's at not this like point, the way it's not a big uh, Rudy and Penis get together and they're like, oh, <laughs> these fucking Voyager guys are going to catch catch on to our fucking dark plans. Uh, the murders and stuff. Yeah, you guys will find out at home. Anyway, we should kill them or something. It's like the first chat. You're like, oh my God. I just left that one on Front Street. Picard, Picard's walking around to the Academy grounds, and he runs into old Boothby. Hmm. He talked about Boothby in uh, the final mission. Uh, it could be. One of the ones were there in the shuttle together. If it wasn't that one, then it was the one where they were eating them sandwiches, and he was going to get his heart all worked on. So Yeah, maybe. I don't know if Wesley had gotten into the Academy by then, but yeah. Besides, uh, all the Wesley's questions in that episode were confusing ones about the Klingon Empire being part of the Federation. So. <laughs> Anyway, he runs into old Boothby. Um, It turns out that Picard had gotten into some unspecified trouble in the past, and Boothby helped him do the right thing. Did they leave it unspecified so somebody could write a novel about it? I'm just asking for memory beta. (laughs) I'm sure there is a novel about it. All about what happened at the Academy since they don't want to fucking tell us. Um, also Boothby reminisces about some wrestling match that Picard won and says nothing surprised him since that about Picard's career. He also knows all of the kids from Nova Squad, but, and I'm not sure why, and I don't, even in the rest of the episode, I don't understand why. He seems angry about it. Yeah, I like him. <laughs> he don't like these Nova Squad kids. Don't like I don't him. know why. He don't like the girl ones. He don't like the Nick Lacarno. He doesn't like Wesley Crusher, and he doesn't like that dead kid either. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't think at this point in the story he knows what happened on the flight on the flight range out near Saturn. No, he seems. I think to he know just don't like these kids. They a bunch of little shits, and I hate them. That's what he knows. He might still be mad about the grounds getting messed up after they won the Rigel Cup. <laughs> Maybe that is it. Maybe he's the janitor who has to clean up after all the paintball games at Community. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, Lacarno briefs the rest of Nova Squad, and then we see him explaining the course of events before the Board of Inquiry. Uh, in his version, 
the five ships were in a diamond slot formation, turning in preparation for a Jaeger loop. This this said over and over again. Mm. When uh, Josh's ship collided with Cadet Hajar's, uh, Cadet Hajar is the one who filed the flight plan, and she has to answer some tough questions about why they weren't where the flight plan said they would be. Yeah. And she says it was just a minor change, and they were within safety, blah, 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 blah. No one... No one really digs into it at this point, but um, I do want to say that Admiral Brand and the Vulcan captain were oddly suspicious right from the start. They were, but when she says that she was flying on fucking sensors only or whatever. Uh, well, that's Cedo. We'll oh, get okay. to that. All right, okay, okay. <laughs> that's literally everyone in the room goes, oh, I'm going to fucking say something right yeah, now. There's this a lot of cheese and carrots in the background where you hear stuff about the sensors. <laughs> and then, anyway, but yeah. There's one guy back there uh, yeah. who's like, these motherfuckers are going to fucking get them right now. We're just fucking flying on sensors. <laughs> yeah, everyone says that they didn't see any indication that Josh was out of formation, including Cedo, who should have seen it based on where her ship was and mm. supposedly in the diamond slot formation. And she says she was flying on sensor readings. She was wearing while... one of those Jedi training helmets. It's all part of training <laughs> with Nova Squad. While Picard is explaining to Beverly, who is uh, maybe hasn't been paying attention or <laughs> has never been in a shuttle, it's not clear. Is she the opposite of Pulaski? Does she only use the transporter? Maybe, yeah. Uh, just to make a point about scientific progress, I think. I assume. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, while Picard's explaining it to her, Nick Locarno stands up and he's like, Okay, listen, Josh, Josh wasn't that good. He wasn't that good at flying, and he was a scaredy cat. And we thought, well, he'll pull through on geez. Then he didn't. Um, if you think about it in a certain way, it's kind of your fault, sir, Lieutenant Commander Albert. It's a little, it's a little bit your fault. And if the investigation is going to continue, is my suggestion, sir, that we uh, target the father of that puke who crashed into my ships. He says they didn't want him to be remembered as someone who panicked, but yes, in fact, that is what I'm saying. Now that is what I'm saying occurred. It's officially on the record that I said he maybe he he sharded himself straight into oblivion, and you can. And as the leader of his flight demonstration team, I would like to officially record his grade as a D (laughs) minus, or maybe an I for incomplete. You Sir, you might want to leave the rest of these proceedings. I got a lot more to say about this. So, there's more. There's more and, coming. Uh, it's not so good. Well, Admiral Brand is pretty disappointed because at this point, she doesn't think any of these people are telling the truth. And if they are, they shouldn't have let that kid fly. No, they're all coming just, up with lies that are getting them in other kinds of trouble. <laughs> yeah, she just she's all around mad, and the Vulcan guy started out mad. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> well, come on, anyway, he's in a room full of these fuckers who stink, man. They smell bad. And it's just stuck true. in there with them. You just got to smell them all. No one and ever Josh remembers. Albert's dad has been eating nothing but garlic, <laughs> and it, he can smell it in his sweat. And I don't know, man, it's, that's comfort food for him or what, but he's been eating. He's been eating real garlicky Alfredo sauce for like two straight days and now. And that's why unconsciously when Nick Lacarno was saying that stuff about how it was his fault, he found himself nodding along, even though he <laughs> doesn't really believe that. But he just can't <laughs> smell this guy anymore. And the humans <laughs> never think about it. They don't think about it at all. He asked <laughs> to crack not, a window earlier they, and they said, oh, it's cold outside. And no one even fucking, fucking took yeah, him up they, And it. if they opened the window, yeah, it would smell like the bay. And even in 
2368. That's not amazing, but still. Yeah, you can still catch it. At least it wouldn't smell like You know, there was one time a thing called the Milpitas monster that came out of there? (laughs) Fucking humans, man. Unbelievable. (laughs) Oh, that was a movie? Uh, Anyway, I'm a Vulcan. Uh, Anyway, they adjourn the meeting until they have all of the data from Wesley's flight recorder, which turns out to be the one that survived uh, in the morning. Um, And Picard asks Geordi and Data to look at the information as well, because Wesley's one of their own. Meanwhile, Nova Squad is all real mad at Nick. They feel like they've been lying to the board. They're unhappy about it, but he convinces them that they all secretly believe Josh was responsible for the accident, right? You knew that guy. He sucked. <laughs> and they all started looking uh, and go, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess he was kind of a little piece of shit now that I think <laughs> about it. I was broken up about his tragic passing, but now I think uh, maybe we should uh, put on his tombstone that uh, he uh, he shit himself so bad that his, he threw up from the smell before his ship exploded because <laughs> he was a coward. Well, you mean that's way more information than normally goes on tombstones. <laughs> they don't put uh, in detailed cause of death, possibly <laughs> revolving around the state of uh, uh, the patient's bowels. They don't put that on the record. That doesn't go on the, the plaque or nothing. Okay. Yeah, we still don't know exactly what they're lying about, but this is the equivalent of that scene where they say if they went in and told the board everything that happened, their careers would be over. Yeah. That's also... Wesley is clearly the weak link. Even at the Academy, he's the nerd. So they talk to him a bunch about how loyal he is because he's been out on the Enterprise. Yeah. But they don't know that the very next minute he's going to be going over his deposition for the morning and Josh's dad is going to come in and he's got one of Wesley's old sweaters from a ski trip they took to Calgary. Not even Banff. They really just went to Calgary. They didn't know where to go. There's two nerds and they're just like, should we go skiing? Where it's cold. There's they snow there. They just skied there. downtown. It was muddy snow. <laughs> um, He talks about how Josh was a loser and it was all his fault and he's so sorry. And Wesley's no help. He just stands there silent. He doesn't let his mouth hang open, but he doesn't say one word. No, he does that, uh, what Will Wheaton calls acting, where he swallows uncomfortably a lot. And um, yep. this guy's just in there going, my son was a real dum-dum, didn't know math, didn't know science, didn't know any of them. But someone said, hey, you want to get in the academy, you got to know the math and the science. So uh, I don't know what he did. I think he kidnapped someone and t- made him take tests for him or something. Anyway, uh, kid too dumb to be in Starfleet. So that's the main point that I'm saying here. Sorry about your broken arm. <laughs> I know it's already healed, but I'm sorry you had to go through that. It must have been very uh, devastating. You can blame that on my son as well. He is no longer here. It does not matter. The next day, they review Wesley's cockpit camera, and it ends before they break orbit from Titan. So Wesley just describes the rest of the incident, and it's what he says is basically in line with Nick Lacarno the day before, but uh-uh-uh. Mm. The angry Vulcan's got, <laughs> got a question about what a Jaeger loop is. And That's then, right there, man. after Wesley describes it, he asks if they maintain formation the whole time until the crash, and Wesley says, yep. And then <laughs> the other shoe drops. They got a satellite image of the ships, and they are not in the Jaeger, in the diamond slot formation. Uh, they're, they're doing very a real fancy thing. Real, It looks like the five stars on some general's collar formation. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good to look at, for sure. And Wesley says he has no explanation. No, as soon as they say that thing about describe a Jaeger loop to me, 
I mean, <laughs> I, I'm going, ah, oh, oh, got okay. me so good right now. Okay, I know you why go, you're asking. Hey, this. I would like to rephrase the thing I said before, previously, about what happened. So here's what really happened. <laughs> I don't uh, want to get got. Sorry, I'm not going to wait to get us. got. <laughs> Nick, stand up, everybody. This is Nick Licarno. He's my, uh, I guess he's my boss, kind of. Uh, hey, uh, they got us, Nick. And I'm going to just tell him. Uh, Nick Licarno, he fired a revolver into Josh's cockpit. <laughs> And our ships are like that on the screen because we were all like, whoa. Sorry. (laughs) Don't make yourself cry. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, I amused myself too much on that one. Yeah. Um, You have somebody firing a flintlock pistol or something. Yes. Through the cockpit of another guy's ship. Anyway. <clears throat> um, well, that's pretty hard. That's pretty hard. And I guess they take a recess at that point when he says, I don't know, man. I can't, I can't, I'm not going to tell you what happened. <laughs> yeah, I have Because no Bever- now he's in his room and Beverly's there and she's like, don't worry about it. Jordy and Data are analyzing it and they're going to figure out why that sensor's lying about <laughs> you. Why it's a liar. And Wesley looks up like, no, 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 no. <laughs> he also looks at her like, are you dumb? Like, what do you you're mean? The, what are you talking You're the only about? one who you know, doesn't understand what's happening here? You uh, know it's not the sensor, you what? idiot. No, don't do that. That's not the thing you should do. She's like, so help me God, I will convince them that we are not the only two people in this universe. <laughs> I will convince them that they have forgotten people they worked with and loved. That's right. This time it'll be different. Uh... <clears throat> He tells her not to try to protect him, to stay out of it. Picard goes to have another chat with Boothby about Nova Squadron. He says Nick Locarno keeps the team together, and they would do anything for him. Even mm-hmm. wrong. Yeah, they, he would, they would even do wrong for him, for sure. That's actually the first thing that Boothby says. It's weird. It's such an escalation. There should be more before that. Um, on the Enterprise, Picard is going over the data with, um, with Jordy and Data. And they aren't sure what this means, but it seems like Wesley was maybe purging his coolant. That's dumb, though, because the engine would ignite the plasma. And I guess Picard's <laughs> the only cool person in the room. Do we cuss? He suddenly realizes what's going on. It says out loud, ignite the plasma. That's what they were, That's That's what what they were, were doing. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. He calls Wesley to his ready room, which means he has to beam up from Earth. Yes, right. If you think about it. Uh, is it not as simple as it is an STO? He doesn't just, on the HUD, there isn't just a beam oh, it's up. Oh, prob- there's probably a button right on the HUD to go to Picard's ready room. Yeah. Just, just beam up and you click it and it says, do you go to Picard's ready room or do you go to the shipyards or whatever? Yeah. And he rolls um, WNYX's Dave Nelson's laptop around on his desk to <laughs> show Wesley a, des- a description of a or an animation of a maneuver called the Colvard Starburst, which Wesley mm-hmm. clearly recognizes. Mm-hmm. And Picard says, this is what you were doing. This move that was banned at the Academy a hundred years ago after a training accident wiped out a whole team. Yeah. Uh, and he also, by the way, he's very nice. He does give Wesley an out here. He says, I think Nick Lacarno wanted to go out in a blaze of glory. <laughs> Not like, I think you guys thought this would be too cool. You I think you guys, guys were, were gonna get it wet for real. A hundred percent correct. That this was the coolest thing you could do. 
I mean, I keep looking at this 1992 animation and I keep going, wow, that is cool. That's pretty cool. Hey, you that guys would be did cool a good to see. job. This is better. You, this is better than Free Jack, what you guys did when you rendered this thing. Uh, Wesley doesn't take the seventh guarantee by name, but he does say he chooses not to answer. Oh, you shouldn't. You don't say something like that to Jean-Luc Picard. No, Picard is not impressed. He said he's had Wesley's back all along, but now he's not sure. And he tells Wesley the first duty of every Starfleet officer is to the truth. And there's more to that speech, but you know it. Yeah, yeah, whether it's uh, scientific truth or... uh, Or historical truth or personal truth. I don't know, like... Nutritional truth, or um, uh, truth about what you did in the truth. bathroom. There's truth yeah. about it's cats and dogs. That's a movie, I think. <laughs> well, he also he's, he straight up threatens him. If you don't tell the board, I will. Yeah. Wesley goes back down, calls Locarno, tells him Picard knows everything. He, he, knows, he knows the specific maneuver we were trying to do. Yeah, he showed it to me. And Lacarno says, if there's no body, there's no evidence. <laughs> they'll, never, they'll never find the slug I put in Josh Albert if they take a million years. He says, they'll say, did you do this? And we'll say, no, sir. And what, we'll get a reprimand? Worf's got one of those. Who cares? That's right. <laughs> By the way, just we'll skip ahead when they do decide to do that. I was like, man, Worf had to kill a foreign dignitary. I know. <laughs> How was that on the same level? These guys did a forbidden maneuver. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was still, a, they didn't mean to kill the guy. It was still an accident that the guy died. Yeah, Worf right, did intentionally kill the guy. Worf was... murdered that guy. <laughs> um, Wesley tells Locarno he's ready to flip. And Locarno says, look, none of the rest of us have a problem with lying. So, if you got a problem with it, you should resign. That's literally what he says, and he thinks that logic is pretty good. Yeah. Um, Then we cut to, I guess, closing arguments. Uh, Brand's very disappointed with the students. She knows they're lying about something, but they don't have any evidence, so all she's going to do is, as you said, place a formal reprimand on their records and also revoke their flight privileges. Mm Mm-hmm. And then she rings the bell, but again, this is not a deal with a fairy godmother <laughs> or whatever. Right. It's ceremonial, so it's fine. Wesley stands up and asks to add some testimony to the record, and he tells the truth. Yeah. Later, Picard finds Wesley sitting out on the academy grounds, mm. and he tells him Nick Locarno's been expelled, and the only reason they all weren't expelled is because... Locarno asked to take response. He ran into the, the Riker speech from the outcast. Yes. And um, basically what's going to happen is Wesley's going to be held back a year. And Picard says, everybody's going to know what you did. It's not going to be easy being here. And uh, then he repeats something that Boothby said to him. Like, you know, you knew what you had to do. I just made sure you listened to yourself or whatever. But he oh, actually man. did threaten to yes. turn him in. I'm so glad Wesley didn't dream of himself getting eaten by a monster or something, and then he says to himself in the dream, you know what you have to do. <laughs> That's what Voyager would have done, man. Yes. That's what Enterprise yeah. would have done. Picard didn't tell him up there, you know what you have to do, because uh-huh. who knows, Wesley might have thrown himself into the warp plasma or whatever. <laughs> That's how they do it on Enterprise. Yeah, no, he just would have concentrated really hard and fucking phased out of this existence. He's got that power. 
Don't you corner him. Peace. He's a he is a for sure a flight risk. Um, yeah, that's the end. All right. So Matt, what's this one about? Men of great character can still make mistakes as long as they like own up to them. The story of Picard at the academy, which again, no details at all. We have no idea what happened, but he did something he wasn't supposed to, and then he went, "Ah, guys, I did something I wasn't supposed to." And look, he's a great man. We know that. And our long road traveled with Wesley Crusher. You know, this guy's been a pretty good dude to this point. Uh, They tell us that these two are supposed to be pretty fucking honorable and cool, but they still did fuck-ups when they were young. The key is that they stood up and they took their punishment. Okay, maybe. But lots of us make mistakes that don't kill people, and I feel better about that than the shit that Wesley did and lied about. And anyway, I think that's what they were trying to say. Some about... You can be a great man and still make mistakes as long as you own up to them. I gave it a six. Uh, Yeah, I have it right up about a six. And we're uh, we're sort of in the same ballpark, too. Um, But I wanted to add in here that uh, loyalty is not the highest virtue. Mm -hmm. Like, Picard's speech is about the truth, and that's fine. But it's really a story about taking responsibility for your actions rather than lying to protect people. That's right. Because that is what Nick Locarno wants. Right. And they show us both sides. Uh, like, we don't see the scene of Locarno arguing to take responsibility, but it seems like that's what he does. So yep. even though he seems to believe loyalty is a higher virtue than honesty here, he at least plays it out like it's not a cynical take. Sure. Um. So, yeah, I have it toned about a six also. Um, interesting that it's not the first duty of every person or whatever that's is the to thing. the truth. <clears throat> when he said it out loud, I went, oh, I ain't in the Starfleet, no, That's though. not what... I don't even know anyone in the Starfleet. <laughs> so exactly. What are we supposed to do with this? Scientific truth? Uh, that don't apply to me, neither. So... Um, moving on to execution. Yes. If I had never seen this, and you said to me, there's an episode where we visit Wesley at the Academy, and he has fallen in with a bad crowd, and he has to learn to rat out his friends. <laughs> I'd say to you, that sounds like it sucks real bad. That sounds terrible. It's, I'm sorry, what is this? An episode of Saved by the Bell? What's happening? <laughs> right. Um, and this episode doesn't suck real bad. Like, the scenes with the cadets talking about how they just can't tell them everything that happened aren't so good because no one talks like that. Yeah. It's done to preserve the mystery so that we don't know too early what's going on. Sure. But the flip side of that is um, we saw an episode where Bashir's dad went in and told the hologram. <laughs> and just to be clear, I won't mention that you're illegally genetically modified. I won't tell everyone the big secret about your genetic <laughs> manipulations that we did. Okay, um, and he was putting his hands up in the air like this. Yep. Yeah. And um and that really wasn't any better. So I guess you're damned if you do and damned if you don't here for TV. Yeah. And I we need those scenes in order to be clear that Wesley's is already uncomfortable with the amount of lying that's going on. That he's not just afraid of Picard this week. Yeah, I mean he looks around and he's like, You said we wouldn't have to lie. Yeah. <clears throat> um the decision not to explain what kind of trouble Picard was in at the Academy is probably a wise one because of how bad the writers are at these things. Yes, that's usually the case. Uh, I feel good that I don't know what happened. And um, the whole thing is reasonably tense. I think this episode's mostly what you want. I think 
Later, we will learn that it probably would make more sense if Jordy was the one who recognized the Colvert starburst. Sure. Uh, both because he seems to have the reputation as maybe the second best pilot on the ship, but also <laughs> we know from seasons one and two that he knows Wesley's a little show off. He, <laughs> he should have figured out what, as soon as he saw the plasma thing opening, he should have said, oh, That little idiot. shit. This fucking this, little. <laughs> this piece of shit. That twerp. You remember this kid? Fucking A. Ensign Dumont. Fuck he told me. me something one time about a. About with my nose in a book. I didn't handle it well. <laughs> I'm not proud of myself, and I don't like the kid. Some, anyway. Somebody I was going to get more action out of a good book than he was going to get with Ensign Dumont, but I was jealous because Ensign Dumont was hot. Too bad she about that Borg like, business, huh? Oh, oh well. that's, that's, <laughs> that's, uh, Rest in peace, rest in peace, rest in peace. But uh, <laughs> I had asked her out, too, and she did say no, so... Yeah, it was not even like, a, oh, let's still be friends. Like, we should be because I didn't really know her. It's so very good. She just said, what? No. No, was, that hurt my feelings. Anyway. Um, like I said, I think this episode is mostly what you want. Um, yeah. I gave it a six. Okay. I could probably see. I could, I you know, if it was as low as a five, it would be okay, too. Um, <clears throat> just about my take about how men of great character can still make mistakes and blah, blah, blah. I'm pretty sure people really think this about white men. Yes. <laughs> they can make mistakes when they're 19 and still be senators or whatever. <laughs> yes. Uh, ladies and the various browns, however, yeah, ain't gonna get a second chance. Maybe and Starfleet's better than that. Like Beverly Crusher will write letters about how this shouldn't have their whole life ruined because of three yeah. minutes of fun or whatever. Yeah, right. Exactly correct. Exactly correct. Um, maybe Starfleet's better than that. I don't know. But uh, so that's a little bleh. Um, this is one of the good TNG episodes for sure. Again, not one of the 150 bad ones. Um, it somehow still downplays the fact that a kid died. Yeah. A lot of it is really just based around what's going to happen to these cadets. And even they don't seem that worried about the dead one. No. Even at the end, Wesley's upset. No. He's like, I let my mom down, and I let my friends down, and yes, I also let Captain Picard down. But he doesn't say, I killed my friend Josh. Yeah. He should still be here, and I can't get over that. Like, he doesn't seem to think it, even. I kept looking at the sweater his dad brought back and thinking about it, and it's like, he's gone. He was my friend. He's like, just, he's just gone. He's just, ne I'm never going to see and him I, again. And it's because of something that I did. Like, I took yeah. part in it. I should have stood up and said, none of that happens. The, no, he doesn't at, say anything at, like that. At the end, Wesley does say, Josh didn't fail us, we failed him, etc., right? But, like, yeah. also immediately before that, Lacarno was like, we were all going to apply for duty on the same ship. He does say duty. Uh, <laughs> and he says, Josh can't be a part of that now. But the but, rest of us still can. The rest like, of us are going to go on with our shit, even though we're the ones who killed him. <laughs> so in that way, yeah, you're right. hey, why can't he be a part of it? Oh, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, why don't you play that one out a little bit, buddy? Um, yeah, so oh, he died three days ago? We're over it, though, because uh, our futures are on the line. You're you're going to betray us, and we thought you were different, because you're from the A. Hey, guys, this guy's from the Enterprise, is what I kept saying. Do you guys remember? I kept saying it. The Enterprise. He knows what it's like to uh, uh, meet a Benzite and, uh, 
And also a benzonite, I think. <laughs> Sometimes benzonite. I mean, we don't uh, know that he met one, but like it turns out there are that some of those. So you know, the guy got the web fingers. Yes. Ah, shit! I, I ain't been on the Enterprise. I don't know none of this. Um. Anyway, so in that this way, it seems. This guy knows Menthon and Mordok. He met on both. That's the dub. That's the twofer. That's they call that the blue twofer. And uh, he this guy, he's accomplished. This guy's it. been hanging out. Hanging out with Robin <laughs> Leffler. <laughs> He's 16 years old or something. How old are you, kid? I never even asked. You are, oh, you say you're 19. Well, that makes more sense, but... You he did told the, me a story... The blue twofer at age 16, <laughs> if you can believe it. He told me a story about one time there was some guy was that she was on level 47, <laughs> and even the way he told it, I got aroused. <laughs> Let me tell you about this kid. <laughs> ceremonial chimes. <laughs> Algolian ceremonial. Would you believe it? Algolian ceremonial <laughs> rhythms. Save some people's lives. I tell you. <laughs> they were gonna execute <laughs> for playing stickball. So I said, this guy knows. He said, I'm Starfleet. <laughs> we don't lie. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. I just figured it out. Sorry about that, Wesley. <clears throat> and then I asked him to lie. Um, <laughs> would you score this one for execution? <laughs> Eight fucking points. <laughs> yeah. I had more in there, but we've really, we've done an inordinate amount of vamping, so. <clears throat> World building. Yeah, give it to me. Picard's superintendent was a Betazoid. Yeah, that doesn't <clears throat> seem right, huh? Why, why well, was there, why were there no Betazoid? Like, if Picard's superintendent was a Betazoid in the year uh, yeah, 2327. or whatever, yeah. Presumably, that was at the end of a pretty storied career. Yeah. Uh, so it's so weird when they run into an empath in the empath 50 years before that, and they're like, what's uh, <laughs> what's happening here? Yeah. I mean, uh, we all want to do her, even though she's got short hair, but what's happening here? <laughs> There's any day. Why are we in a black box theater? <laughs> he even says some shit <clears throat> in this episode that really makes you ask some questions about what's happening. Um. The Academy flight range is near Saturn. Wesley destroyed that arm yesterday, and now he's just doing little pushies with that therapy device. Boothby has got to be 100 plus. He said when Picard was at the Academy, yeah. he was Picard's age now. And yeah, that was no, like, I did the math. He's in his hundreds. That was like 40 fucking years ago. <laughs> yeah, Picard says he was a class of 27. This episode takes place in 60, uh, 2368. So... Picard graduated 41 years ago. He's in his 60s for sure. If Boothby was in his 60s, 41 years ago, etc. It's not good. Um, um, by the way, Picard got uh, didn't make it his first entrance exam. So, oh yeah, who knows how old he was when he graduated Starfleet? That's true. Uh, Eighty thousand kph is the speed those ships were flying during those maneuvers. I don't know. Uh, the Academy has one of the best accident reconstruction labs in the fucking quadrant or whatever. That's interesting. Um, 
flight demonstration rules about unsafe maneuvers. The culvert starburst hasn't been done at the academy in a hundred years. These kids get a formal reprimand, almost as if they've killed a foreign dignitary and single-handedly swung a power struggle for one of the three most important empires in the quadrant. <clears throat> I gave it a four. Um, I mean, all the same stuff. Emergency, evacuation, transporters and mm-hmm. stations... Uh, apparently there's no really no sensors watching the entire flight demonstration range, which is odd because you'd think they might want tape. Yeah, um, no, they got a fucking sneak a peek from some satellite or something. Honestly, it's mostly Academy stuff. Yeah. Uh, this weekend. I, we're a little bit apart. I had it as a two. Okay. <clears throat> Characterization. Yeah. Picard is a guy who is connected enough to stand up to admirals. It's like his main thing. Right. And he seems to forget what it's like to be a nobody. So I wish they had used a little more time reminding him what it would feel like to be in Wesley's shoes. Sure. Because this week he's just kind of the dad who's disappointed that his kid is hanging out with hooligans like (laughs) Locarno and Cito. Sure. Um... He apparently doesn't remember what it felt like before Boothby put him on the straight and narrow, really. He doesn't even want to talk about it. He's, it's, he's embarrassed about it. He hasn't processed it fully. No, but he's, that's, he's really weird that's about Picard. it. He's like, I, 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 ne- I never told you. I was sorry about, uh, or I wanted to thank you about the um, <clears throat> incident, you know? You know what I'm talking yeah. about. I'm not going to say it, but you know. You know the you thing. there. And apparently, despite his threat, he never really intended to enter his speculation into the record. Or maybe yeah. he was going to tell Brand, like, behind the scenes? Yeah, like, after she'd already closed the proceedings and everything, he was going to be like, hey, just so you know, I got a blind guy and a robot, and uh, we cracked this one. We figured, we figured it out. But, you know, I'm kind of in a thing the with the kid's mom. The was not and... available this week. Usually I put her with the robot. Those two work at I'd something about... She only has feelings because she don't know nothing, and he, he don't got no don't, feelings, but he knows everything. So and it's like when you put it's magic when you put the two of them together. You know, one they time told me I gotta one tell time, you about. It. <laughs> <laughs> I, we shouldn't do this. It's our, we've been doing this for so long. We need to stop. <laughs> Let's just get through this. Right, uh, Beverly's just like anyone's mom this week. She thinks the sensors are wrong in a highly specific and damning way. Yes. Uh, can't be her little boy. Wesley's no, pretty. No, it's almost confused. like the censors were like they hated my dad, like that. Yes. <laughs> like of course they say that they hate me. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. Um, R.I.P. Uh, Wesley's very conflicted. That's obviously the point of the whole episode. But I think it's a little odd that he's this susceptible to peer pressure when he started at I'm with Starfleet, We Don't Lie, and why yeah. would anyone ever knowingly use an addictive substance? Sure. Like Tom Paris was all, we're going to serve on the same ship forever. By the way, I'm a couple years ahead of all of you, so I hope you don't mind taking orders from me until you're 60. And Wesley was <laughs> like, I mean, I guess I did say that, so I'll go through now, with it. Now we're in it forever. You're my superior so, officer forever, Nick. So I guess what I'm saying is I uh, this week I wish Picard was a little softer and Wesley was a little sharper. And yeah. um, I gave it a four for characterization. <clears throat> okay. Uh, Picard is famous enough to do the commencement at the Academy. He's very cagey about what happened to his hair. <laughs> He's the guy makes a remark about his hair and he smiles and takes eight beats and then just <laughs> continues with his line of questioning. But, like, honestly, what are you supposed to say at that point? 
I fucking lost it, man. I lost it right away. <laughs> he doesn't say anything. Oh, yeah. Lost it right away. He just goes, hmm, smiles, and then just insanely long. I get it, Boothby. You're 105, and you have pretty good hair, honestly. It's pretty good hair. Honestly, you it. look like eight years older than me. It's pretty fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's wild. We kind of look like the same age now. <laughs> to all these kids walking around, we're the fucking same. I know you were in my favorite Martian or whatever, but like, <laughs> honestly, what is our age difference? I don't think it's that big. Uh, Picard pinned a Ligonian in a wrestling match one time. It's all in the legs, all that running he did. Um, Picard did something when he was at the academy that Boothby helped him out of. He still needs this guy for hot goss, too. Um, Picard, likely thinking of whatever he did at the Academy that got him in trouble and how Boothby got him out, gives a good speech and gives Wesley a chance to to turn himself in. Picard clearly didn't bother to talk to Beverly about any of this Wesley stuff, though. No! You can see it on her face when he comes clean. She is blown away. Yeah, Picard did not say, listen, I don't know how he's going to handle this, and I don't know if you want to get involved. He might need to handle this on his own, but... um... They did He's a murder lying. out there? I guess it's not a murder, but they really whoopsied. <laughs> they killed a kid. They killed Listen. that kid out there. Your son, your baby boy. <laughs> the kid that uh I don't know, you had to make you had to make sure he was on time to get a haircut and stuff like that. Uh yeah, he killed a kid. No, no one tells her anything. I don't know why he doesn't. Just the same reason I don't know why the Admiral doesn't call her. But um, I think we were still working some stuff out in the early nineties. Um. <clears throat> oh, I wrote here. He probably thought this is man stuff. Oh, this is a man thing that we have to take care of ourselves. Uh, Wesley Crusher's on the Academy flight team. Wesley's still the boy who tells exercising sex aliens that Starfleet doesn't lie. But growing up is hard. It is it's peer pressure and drugs and rap music, and we all want to be cool. Um. Wesley stops short of telling Nick that he can't call Picard a liar because there's a 60% chance that he's his real dad. <laughs> anyway, after after he's confronted he's with the truth. He's more convinced than ever. Like, it's the <laughs> way they're very familiar, but it's also super clear they're not fucking. That's right. But it's like, it is like they're very used to having breakfast together. Yeah. They are. They seem like an old married couple. Um, yeah. After he's confronted with the truth, he does turn himself in. <clears throat> I give it a five. What about quick hitters? Nobody asked any questions about whether it was right of the Betazoid superintendent to read the students' minds. He tells a story yeah. about how they are the superintendent had already read your minds and knew what you were in for. When you had to, it's a problem. Starfleet has never been interested in dealing with. Nope, it don't make any sense. Marjan thinks Picard's comment about the superintendent being a full Betazoid was a dick at Troy sitting next to him. (laughs) Well, maybe full Betazoid, really cool, much cooler than uh, only being a Havsy or whatever. Ron Moore wrote this. I don't remember anybody being raped in this episode. (laughs) I mean. Has he? It didn't make what's the, the opposite of growing up and maturing over time? I guess over time he became an even worse writer. Uh, you know, they didn't go into specifics, but in Memory Alpha, they did say that in the original version of this, uh, Josh Albert's dad was a real hardline guy. And uh, I think that's why they cast this guy. 
and then oh. they softened it. Then they made him you know? sad, sad dad of dead yeah. kid. Because when I was looking at this guy playing the sad dad, I was like, that's a weird casting choice. Yeah, he looks kind of like a Nosferatu looks, or something. He looks like a henchman. <laughs> kind of does. Uh, I had best actor candidate worried mom Beverly Crusher. <clears throat> Nicola Carno walks in and sees Captain Picard in Wesley's quarters and almost just blurts out, I didn't do anything. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty rough. He, he does looks, not expect that to be there. He looks so shook. Like, how does everyone not immediately go, oh, no. Uh, oh, no. I think they did something bad. Um, I have none, sir. Is basically just like saying, oopsie, right? <laughs> yep. Like, if, he, if she'd said, how can you, how do you explain this, Cadet Crusher? And he just got... Oops. I think it would have been the same effect. <laughs> well, Nick uh, has this pearl-handled revolver. <laughs> <laughs> the final game against Minsk. Minsk? Yeah. Minsk University? Good question. Minsk Tech? Were they playing a pro team? Was it the Minsk Minx? I just don't... I don't know what that meant. In the final game in the Parisi Squares tournament against Minsk. Something yeah, maybe happened. the academy <clears throat> competes against, a, uh, you know, a city club. A city Parisi Squares club. <laughs> yeah. The city Parisi Square club of Minsk. That's Minsk AC. <laughs> I did wish that Picard had asked Troy to work with Data on this one. And also every other one. I, they should be fucking chained together. And then again, Picard has a Dewey Cox moment with Ignite the Plasma. He does. Just looks up in a fucking distance and says out loud, Ignite the Plasma. <clears throat> uh, what about you? Uh, I mean, yeah, I do for sure. Um, I know Picard is pretty in-universe famous and also very well connected, but why would he be asked to give a commencement address? Seriously. Is it because he's so Shakespearean? I guess he has gravitas like, even in Starfleet. People are like, that guy, you gotta hear that guy talk. We couldn't get Penn and Teller. <laughs> they weren't available. And Bill Cosby's in jail. so He's still in jail after all these years. Uh, honestly, we're just gonna have to get someone we can order to come here and give it. Yeah. Uh, how about Picard? Um... This is a pretty bad way to tell someone about an accident that the person they know survived. The way Bran yeah. does it. You're a friend of the Crusher family, right? I, I wanted to tell you privately there's been an accident. Like, wouldn't you start with Wesley's fine, but his flight demonstration team crashed? Yeah. Uh, that is how I would start it. The way she started it was like, okay, well... He and his flight demonstration team all tried to use their emergency transporters, and they came out as one entity. <laughs> now known as Lacrusto. <laughs> Poor Cadet Hajar didn't even get a hand in. No. Well, after a while, you're just kind of ruining the name, you know. Lacrusto <laughs> works. It's like a hat on a hat. So. <laughs> uh. I've always liked that the Academy dorms have, like, regular doorknobs. Yeah. 
That like, was kind of refreshing. Can, they weren't they weren't the doors. You know? Exactly. You can imagine that the doors on starships have to open and close that way because they have to be able to like seal off rooms against vacuums so they might not be able to swing open in one direction or another, but like cadets can open their own <laughs> damn doors. They did still put a buzzing sound in though when the door opens or closes, so I guess they lock electronically. Yeah. I mean, so does my front door. So Yeah. I guess I live in the fucking future now. Uh, well, also, look, man, sometimes there's, like, tangentially whale-related weather that pops up that around that place. True. Sometimes it gets breezy, for sure. Yeah. Especially if the windows shatter. Yeah, and you got those guys putting those things up on the windows to make sure they don't shatter. They don't do nothing. No. I think one of the guys is yelling the whole time, you know, these don't do anything. But no one can hear him. It's so windy. These are just a tripping hazard. <laughs> Honestly, you're putting uh, me right in the fucking right in the line of fire here. <clears throat> Aside from plot convenience, why would any part of the Academy flight range ever be out of sensor range? Sensors are free in 2368. I mean, are they though? Maybe they're not. Aren't they? Maybe it's self-improvement credits. Just to look at the sensors. Maybe that's it. The guy who was supposed to be looking at him ran out of self-improvement credits and couldn't look at him anymore, and he was afraid to admit that he spent all his self-improvement credits on a clarinet class. So you're, so you're also going to say that, that that's only like six hundo. <laughs> but you're, you're also going to say, though, that that's why there's no live flight telemetry on the range, why they have to have physical flight recorders at all. Like, I know this episode came out years and years before that <laughs> loss of that Malaysian flight, but come on. Sure. No, I mean, look, we talked about episodes maybe being repurposed to Star Trek episodes. Was this an episode of JAG? It does feel like this was maybe the pilot episode of JAG. This is JAG. The, the pitch for JAG. Did we watch JAG this week? We should have started the episode by saying, and this week, this week we watched JAG. And then played the JAG theme song. No one's going to sue you about that. In your imagination, Matthew, what is the Rigel Cup? Who else competes? Minsk, does probably. Ball, Minsk, for sure. But does Ball State have a flight demonstration team? Like, Oh, we know Kent State's still around, so I would guess that. Who's competing them. at the Rigel Cup? It's Kent State, Minsk, Starfleet Academy. It's like the Beanpot. It's the same four every year. Um, <laughs> and uh, oh, probably Northeastern then, I guess. You know, they really gamed the system on those college rankings, and they're still around in 23-whatever. Um, do you think this decision means that Wesley's final year is going to be like all electives? Because I know his credits were canceled for the year, but like, it doesn't make any sense for him to actually retake those same classes, right? Like, yeah, gonna have he'll to just retake, have to, uh, he's going to have to take an extra 13 credits <laughs> worth of classes, but he's already got it all planned out, probably. Nucleogenic fusion, you're going to have to take that one again. <sighs> Whatever. <clears throat> yeah. Uh... I gave best actor to Picard, probably, and worst actor to this Vulcan captain. I kept listening in for to have the crowd whisper something like, Is this guy a Romulan? <laughs> he seems off. He seems so mad. What's he mad I don't think we're supposed to be like this. I think he's mad we didn't crack the window, but, like, get over it. You know, this it's is cold thinks, outside. This is what he thinks discipline is. He can't make them run laps, so he just pretends to be angry. We're on the wrong side of the Visadero, dude. It's fucking foggy out there. I don't want to open a window. <laughs> Can you believe he's mad about that? He's so petty. By the way, it's like, it's only 65 degrees in here. It's not, it's not cold. 
it's very confusing why you want it's it from us and why he's mad about it. Hey, Petty! Oh, can you believe I, 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 I fucking said that out loud? That guy's all captain. <laughs> oh, the scores are in. Oh, good. Thank God. <laughs> Unless right, you're supposed to do quick hitters. I don't think you, I think you did yours. Uh, Yeah, I did mine. Uh, and last place this week with 16 points. So Deep Space Nine. Oh, okay, well, that's the order I had it in. I really didn't like that episode. <clears throat> uh, it's the order I had it in, too, it turned out. Okay. Uh, in second place with 23 points, Equinox Part 1. We get Part 2 next week. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, yeah, you know what? Uh, you get to describe that one, so I'll call that a win. And, um, you know, just for continuity's sake, if you've listened all the way through this episode, if if Commander Burke has anything, I probably will <laughs> refer to him as Burke and not Max Penis. Oh, okay. But the winner with 41 points, the first duty. <clears throat> 41's pretty good. It is pretty good. They scored we have 35 grown harder over the uh, yes over the years, and I wonder if if that had been earlier in the project, it would have broken fifty. But I mean, who knows? Maybe, <clears throat> like you said, I think we're more cynical now. Um, they scored thirty five last week and forty four the week before, uh, which is an average of forty, and that's the best three week average since week eighty three when Deep Space Nine posted a forty. Yeah, they're weirdly kind of finding a rhythm here. Yeah, so. They really uh, right right here at the end of season five. They've they've put together a few good ones in a row. Hold on, let me just fucking. I'm just binging what next week's episode is. The, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to I'm sorry to tell you that the what about next week's episode? We will oh, get no! discussing the higher and the fewer um, oh, next no. week. <laughs> so probably it's gonna plummet. Yeah, but, that was the end of that. Jesus. Uh, the last time a show other than TNG or Deep Space Nine had a 40.3 episode average was in week 24 when TOS posted one. Yeah. So, um, pretty good run, and even better if you consider that our overall average has been steadily declining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this whole thing is <clears throat> generally a down-and-to-the-right situation. Uh, it is also the Next Generation's 50th win. Yeah, they're pulling away. DS9's they are. Not, they're, uh, they're 11 ahead of DS9 now. Like, DS9 won not that long ago. They won week 115, but the last time they had, like, a good episode... Like, when was the last time DS9 broke 40? Oh, boy. It's uh, been a while, man. Ew. They got a 39 in week 92. That's, that's pretty close. They got another 39 a little bit before. Okay, in week 84, they had a 43 yeah. with Return to Grace. That's how I long remember what that episode was. I had no idea. It <clears throat> was the same week as Data's Day. Well, look, we knew right from the start that they had a chance to win that week. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. It's been so long since DS9 did anything uh, you could call an achievement. Voyager. Um... <laughs> Let's see. Voyager has. Ooh. 167 minus 1. They have 49 episodes left. Ooh. Yeah, they're almost mathematically eliminated. <laughs> it's very close now. Let's I mean, yeah, they'd have to um they'd have to win out basically and TNG yeah. would have to lose all but all 
all but one of the episodes that came after it. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's it, they pretty much have no chance, but I know that I know they'd love if they knew this project existed and they cared about it. I know they'd love to notch a fourth win somewhere in the next forty nine episodes. <laughs> it's so sad. Do you know their first win was so early? Yeah, it was week four, and wasn't it? For a long time, we were talking about how DS Nine was such a piece of shit and they can't win a week to save their lives or whatever. And then it just flipped on Voyager, man. Flipped on. Yeah, them. <laughs> yeah it's been real bad. Yeah. Um, you know, Voyager crossed below Enterprise in week 43 or 44, and they've been at the bottom for 75 weeks now. I mean, their average score is almost four full points below Enterprise. Yeah. And it's very bad. M- more than 10 <laughs> points below TNG at this point, so. Not great. It, well, maybe not more than four, but. Yeah, I'm more than nine, sheet, But. It's more than nine, yeah. So, rough, but uh, yeah, congratulations, TNG. When we get together to talk about Star Trek again, I think we're going to squeeze a mailbag in next week. We'll try. Might be another short one, like that that shortest ever episode we did uh, not long before the hiatus. Um, I have thought of a game I'd like to play. Okay, cool. Uh, Katie found it infuriating, so I assume you'll enjoy it. Uh, We... (laughs) We will be discussing for TNG cost of living. Yeah, yay! A Luoxana Troy jam. Yeah, and well, don't worry, Deputy Disappointment's in there too. It's got a lot of good stuff going on. <laughs> and for Deep Space Nine, the episode title is "Blaze of Glory." Does anyone feel good about that? Uh, in my head, I think I know what it is. So. Well, don't spoil it for me. I want to be mad about it when it happens. <laughs> you want to be mad when you see the screenshot next time. Uh, and for Voyager, of course, Equinox Part 2, which I will be describing. All right. Good. Thank God. All right, everybody. That's been a long one. Please send us mail for the mailbag so we don't have to cancel it or shoehorn it into the Star Trek episodes and make them three and a half hours again like they used to be. Uh, that's at Brother Date on the Twitter machine. Twitter didn't go anywhere. I'm gonna stop giving updates on it. It's just, uh, it's just still there. So, all the people who were worried that it was uh, literally just about to come down, I guess, were not correct. Um, I mean, there is an article today that they're selling off office furniture now, so... (laughs) That doesn't feel good. I mean, this, this does feel like the most covered, um, end of a company that i've ever heard of or that i've ever seen because uh it's just live updates all day every day and uh, they're still just uh, the website seems to function the same still so um so anyway at brother date on the twitter machine uh brothers at brother uh on the e- email um no audio emails or anything from anybody not yet it's fucking got these fucking guys these little these little turdlets out here not sending us any mails. Um, Brotherdate.com is the website. Also, you should use podcatchers because there's diseases out there and you got to be smart with your choices. And uh, Wrap it up. That's right. Wrap it up and I will wrap it up now as well. Um, as you believe. So shall you do. So shall you do. As you, as believe, you believe. So shall, shall you, you do. do. 
Hey, uh, they got us, Nick. And I'm gonna just tell them. Uh, Nick Lacarno, he fired a revolver into Josh's cockpit. <laughs> <laughs> and our ships are like that on the screen because we were all like, whoa!